Hey, Brian from Pop Culture Leftovers here. You know, sometimes life just kicks your ass, man. Sometimes you just have some bad weeks. I don't know. I've had bad months before. So, you know, maybe you had a dream growing up and and maybe you kind of like lost sight of that dream. Maybe you never, you know, went for it. Maybe you never did anything. You kind of just laid down and didn't chase after your dream. You know, I know that I've had dreams in my life that I didn't go after, that I didn't try to achieve. I mean, that's why I host a shitty podcast now. I mean, I had dreams growing up. I didn't want to do what I'm doing, but I'm doing what I'm doing, unfortunately. Uh, but you don't have to. So what I, what I want you to do, if you're having a bad day, if you're having a hard time getting motivated and, and you know, chasing after your dreams, what I want you to do is I want you to get up right now and I want you to go look at yourself in the mirror, okay? I got a solution. I'm going to make it all better. This is your moment, okay? Right now, from this moment, okay? I want you to get up. You got to get up, okay? If you have to pod, pause the podcast, that's fine. You can pause it. Just take a second and get up. I want you to look in the mirror. Okay, this is where the magic happens for you right now. You will never forget this moment. Sometimes the world looks perfect. Nothing can rearrange. Sometimes you just get a feeling like you need some kind of change. Episode 17. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Culture pushovers, pop culture, leftovers, and we're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers, sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. All right, it is August 18th, 2013. It is time for another episode of Pop Fucking Culture Leftovers. Yes. I'm Brian. Sorry. <laughs> what 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 kind of intro is this? What is going on this week? What was that, Jake? We are so professional. Yeah. Can I just applaud how professional we are? We are not professional in the slightest. Golf clap. All right. I'm Brian Frederick. I uh, I'm Heath Ledger. <laughs> I am Jake Elliott. And I'm the Raftovers. I'm Daniel Boone. <laughs> I am Deadpool. I'm going to be killing you this month. I'm Gilligan. <laughs> I'm Radar. Oh, Radar. Okay. <laughs> I'm Shane Black. I'm, oh, I'm no. Dirk Diggler. 
<laughs> I'm Tully Savalas. I'm Paul Bunyan. <laughs> I'm Tara Reed. <laughs> I am Tyler Durden. <laughs> I am Legend. <laughs> oh shit okay all right welcome to pop culture left i almost forgot the title of the show when we started <laughs> all right i'm brian jay's here yes and jake is here i am chad michaels is in the motherfucking house boom uh <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, this week, unfortunately, Dan is not with us. Um, Dan is actually, uh, he may have left the show for personal reasons. Uh, but uh, we miss you, Dan, and, and uh, hopefully you'll be back on the show. But uh, Dan, from this point on, might might not be part of Pop Culture Leftovers. So we miss you, Dan. Yeah, we hope all is well, man. Fucking comic book geeks. Yes. Exactly. Um, let's see here. I just want to shout out real quick to the band, uh, that, uh, does our theme song, Love You to Death. Um, so yeah, we have a really awesome theme song. If you haven't checked out their other music, you can go to www.loveyoutodeath.com. Check out their other music. They are awesome. Um, let's see here. Uh, so last week our episode was called Leftover Army. And uh, it's not, I don't know if it's really caught on, but uh, we do have officially three members now, Jake, because of you. Um, Yeah, we do, don't we? We do. We have three members of the uh, Leftover Army. We've got three members that have enlisted. This is almost like Operation Mayhem from Fight Club. That's uh, that's 80% of our listenership, so I, I think Leftover Army is officially a hit. So uh, I just want to welcome these three members, Michael Cornish, uh, Kevin Sparenberg, and Andrew Peck. You've officially yeah. enlisted in the uh, Leftover Army. And, you have uh, no idea what you just volunteered for. Yeah, you have no idea. So. All right. Oh, Jake, I've been waiting for this in my life, man. Huh? <laughs> what, Jake, Jake, he's what already you? got a tattoo. <laughs> is Jake an officer in the? Uh... Yeah, do do we have to call him Colonel? He could be uh, he could be Colonel Stars and Stripes. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, I'll be getting a dog this week. <laughs> oh, Jake, well, get get into your new segment already. Jeez. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I I wanted to talk about uh. Netflix has pulled Star Trek 3 off of the streaming. You can no longer watch it because they deemed the Klingon and Vulcan language incorrect. (laughs) And they refused to let viewers watch it with the subtitles being wrong with the inaccurate Klingon-Vulcan speech. I'm not sure what it says now or what it's supposed to say. I just found this story pretty hilarious. that (laughs) They didn't get this fictional language correct, so it's not suitable for viewers anymore you know so the subtitler did not interpret the klingon exactly okay and so they pulled it yeah and they are saying that they're looking into getting the subtitles fixed so (laughs) so it correctly says what the klingons and vulcans say (laughs) before netflix will put it back on streaming they haven't been able to hire a klingon though to come in and (laughs) and fix the problem unfortunately am i they're going to get a hold of Michael Dorn. Or- <laughs> Did you guys ever see the episode of Frasier where the kid, uh, he was supposed to be reading a speech in German, uh, Kelsey Grammer, and the kid uh, replaced his speech uh, with a uh, Klingon speech. It was all written in Klingon. No. <laughs> oh, God, it was hilarious. Great episode if you haven't seen that one. 
I think Bing. I think Bing, the search oh. engine, finally added uh, Klingon as one of their languages. Yeah, they did. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we talked about that before, actually. So anyway, not a major news story, but I found it amusing. Yeah, absolutely. It is funny. Um, did you? Uh, did any of you guys watch a, a weird little show on IFC called Food Party? No. no. Uh. Uh-uh. You ever heard of it? No, no. Gosh, I'm the only one. It was like uh, it was like Pee Wee's Playhouse meets a cooking show on the Food Network. Um, it starred Two Tran. Um, she was she cooked the strangest foods ever uh, on an elaborate Technicolored cardboard kitchen set. Uh, it was like uh, all the appliances were cardboard, and most of the characters that she interacted with were puppets. Um, it was a funny show. I love this show. You can watch every episode of the second season on iTunes. And then two, uh, 2 Tran has also uploaded a lot of the food party to YouTube. Um, now 2 Tran does a show called Late Night Munchies. Um, she concocts like weird, bizarre dishes like smoked cookies and popcorn with pizza grease. And uh, if you want to watch that show, there are six episodes of Late Night Munchies available on MTV's alternative site for TV, uh, mtvother.com. Cool. So definitely check that out. It's a funny show. Like I said, it is kind of like very Pee-wee's Playhouse. Um, it's very Pee-wee's Playhouse in the way it's set up. So definitely check it out. It's a fun show. I enjoyed it. Just like a half an hour show, Brian. Uh, actually, on uh, on a uh, IFC, I think each episode was like fifteen minutes. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, um, I did go to the Rift Tracks event. Yes, yes, uh, which was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's the guys from Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand. I thought it was really cool that uh, a listener on uh, Facebook, Gus uh, Huntite. Um, yes. Yeah, Gesundheit. He's on Facebook. He <laughs> said, "Yeah, exactly." He said that uh, when I talked about it, he purchased five tickets for him and his friends, and then three other friends bought tickets for the event as well. So they all went to a theater out there in New Jersey and enjoyed it. Awesome, um, awesome. It but, was uh, Starship Troopers this time. You it said? was Starship Troopers. Now, see, this was a part of a Kickstarter that uh, the guys, uh, Mike Nelson and and these guys started. They originally were shooting to get the rights to do a one-night event for Twilight. Oh, God. You would have got me to go to that. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Now, unfortunately, for some reason, they weren't able to do that. But they did get Starship Troopers, and it was fantastic. Now, Casper Van Dien uh, and other actors uh, were spreading the word about this on Facebook and Twitter, including Neil Patrick Harris. Um, Nice. Some of the funniest moments were when they called Jake Busey a walking tooth. (laughs) Uh, there's there's a part (laughs) there's a part where uh, one character asked Denise Richards hey what are you doing later and she says Matt Dillon and Nev Campbell (laughs) (laughs) I I dude my girlfriend loved it it was funny Um, it was great the whole time I was just laughing and, and I, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like the first time I went to a riff tracks event was, a, I don't know, like three, four months ago, I went and saw plan nine from outer space and the theater was semi full this time. It was packed. Wow. It was packed. So these Rift Tracks events, it, it was a live event, which was really cool. So like they were doing this live. 
Um, I had a great time. So the next one I did want to bring up that the next one is going to be October 24th. So a movie. A week before Halloween, and it's fitting because they're going to do uh, George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Oh. oh. <laughs> nice. So this definitely, is exciting. Yeah. Man, so I, I love those guys, man. Me no too. Way. Absolutely. So go to RiffTracks.com. You know, download some of their movies. Uh, I'm sure you have some of the movies that they do already on Blu-ray or DVD in your home. So download the movies. Most of them are only like two bucks, and and it's it's a good two hours of laughter for two dollars. You can't beat it. And uh, you know, go to FathomEvents.com uh, and check it out and see if they have any uh, events going on in your area. It's, it's a lot of fun. That's it's awesome. like crying laughter. Like this is like yes. bust your gut laughter. Absolutely. Those guys are geniuses so it's awesome absolutely uh craig in uh georgia uh had a uh, facebook email he sent uh sent us recently he says love the show guys came across it on itunes and i and i'm listening to past episodes now big batman fan here collected toys and comics for 10 for about 10 years had storage cases full gave them to my oldest son for keeping haven't looked at comics for a while now. Is there any way you you guys can do a quick update as to what is going on in the Batman universe over the past couple of years? Uh, and then he talks about the movie uh, Superman and Batman. I know they're going with the versus thing, but who actually said they would go with the Dark Knight Rises storyline? Who's to say it won't be a younger in-age Batman to go up against Superman? I think everyone automatically assumed it would be an older Batman because of the novel. I don't think so. I think they will come up with an actor around Cavill's age. Remember, they are building for a Justice League. No one wants to see an old Batman walking in the door for that one uh, couple years from now. Just wanted to throw two cents in there. Thanks again for the shows, and keep it up. Craig in Georgia, home of The Walking Dead. Ah. Yes. Nice. Aww. That's a so, good email. Yeah, thanks, Craig, for the email. Um, uh, first question, though, is like, uh, is there any way you guys can do a quick update as to what's going on in the Batman universe over the past couple years? Yeah, I mean, that's a, <clears throat> excuse me, that's a lot of information. <laughs> um, can I can I ask you a question about that, Jay? Yeah, go ahead. Um, new one came out this week, right? New what? Uh, Batman. Yeah, mm-hmm. I read that they came up with a new reason. As to why Batman uses the bat as a logo, I haven't read issue two yet of or of Year Zero. It's issue twenty-two, I believe, of Batman. I think. Gotcha. So I don't know if they did that. I I would be a bit disappointed if that happened. So I mean, anyway, to answer this question, how many years did he say? Two. Two years. The past two years. Since the fifty-two. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, they basically kind of rebooted the character. They're actually in the process of that right now. Yeah, um, they start, so, it's, it's Scott Snyder's run. And, Scott uh, Snyder, yep. Yeah, they started the new 52, which is like, uh, they basically rebooted the whole universe uh, for DC, and so Scott Snyder is writing the book now. Um, there's a story arc uh, that he first came out. That he, wasn't it, like, didn't that go on for a year, that it, the Court of Owls? Yeah, yeah, Night of the Owls was like about the first twelve issues. Yeah, and then from there it went on to the uh, the Joker run. So yeah, um, now they're doing Year Zero. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely you definitely want to go back and get the um, you know Night of the Owls uh, in trade. Um, it is fantastic. Uh, Scott that just Snyder- came out too, by the way. So so Scott Snyder's killing it. 
Um, but, um, you know, basically, uh, what's happened in that universe is, uh, Batman finds out that there are, um, some villains in Gotham that have been pretty much controlling a lot of what's gone on in the city, uh, for years. And he, uh, unbeknownst to him. Yeah. Yeah. It's Batman's biggest nightmare because, you know, Gotham is something that he supposedly knows backwards and forwards, but now he kind of finds out that. Gotham itself is his enemy too. You There's know? a history that goes way back, <laughs> way, way back. back. Absolutely. Um, and then you know, uh, so right now what they're doing is they're uh, for a full year they're going to do, be doing Batman Year Zero, which is kind of like a, a retelling of Batman's origin story. Yeah. Which is you know I mean of course if if you had the chance to tackle this story and you know who wouldn't so uh, this is Scott Snyder's shot at that. Um, I'm behind on Batman right now. Uh, I think the last issue I read was that last Joker issue. Yeah. Um, so I need to start. There's a couple issues that deal with, uh, the character Harper Rowe that I need to read. Yeah. Um, and then it goes into the year zero. So, you know, I'll probably read that, you know, within, on a weekend or something like that when I have some time to kill, but it's definitely something you want to look into because Scott Snyder is, is killing it. It's one of the most intense comics every month. I mean, it literally gets my heart racing by the time I finish it. Yes. Yeah, and, you know, read uh, read Batman Incorporated as well if you can. You know, try and catch up on that because there's a lot to do with um, some of the things that, that take place outside of the Batman comic, the, the just self-titled Batman. So there's a lot of interesting information and big events, of course, that happen in that because that's Grant Morrison and of course, as we know, uh, lately he's he's he said he's not going to be continuing that. So his final yeah. it, that's his final run on Batman Inc. And it was a great run. And I think that and Batman are the only two you need to catch up on. Uh, um, Detective det- Comics has gotten a little bit better with since John Layman from Chew has gotten onto the series. Yeah, you're Agreed. right. You're right. It is a lot better lately, but mm-hmm. um, early on, there really wasn't much you needed to know, right. you know, as far as continuity goes or what's going on with Batman. So, yeah, get the self-titled uh, New 52. Um, and Superman Batman's really cool, too, if you just kind of want another take on, I, I mean, because this is also early stage Batman and early stage Superman. So it, it's kind of cool to, to read that as well. So uh, his second part of the question was uh, talking about the movie that's coming out. And, and he asked like, who's to say it won't be a younger in age Batman to go up against Superman. I think everyone automatically assumed it would be an older Batman because of the novel. Well, you know, you know, you say that, uh, remember, uh, let's see here. Uh, I don't think it'll be an actor, I think they will come out with an actor around Cavill's age. He said, no one wants to see an old Batman walking in the door for that one a couple of years. Okay. So nobody, nobody wants to see an older Batman walking in the door. Well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I I agree too. I agree with you, Brian. Look at, I want you to look at Robert Downey Jr. I know we're looking at Marvel, but I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is no spring chicken. I mean, he's <laughs> yeah. in his 50s, and he was introduced into the series probably in his late 40s as Iron Man. Yeah. But he was the best guy to play him. So at this point, do we go with a younger actor just because he needs to be younger? Or do we go with the best person that's going to be able to play Batman? I think we've already established with some of the Easter eggs in the Man of Steel that this n- – could be an older Batman, an already established Batman, somebody that has been taking care of Gotham. 
Um, there was an Easter egg, like I said in a previous issue, that there was a poster in the Daily Planet that said, keep calm and call Batman. Yeah. So he's established in this universe. Um, so I, I think that, you know, they don't, I, I don't think that I don't want to go with Josh Brolin. But, but I do want to go with somebody who's maybe in their late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. And yeah, most uh, definitely. Who, okay, so there is a rumor out there, Jay, and let's just jump into this real quick, um, that Warner Brothers has offered Christian Bale $50 million to reprise his role as Batman. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Not, not coming from a terribly reliable source, um, because this is, this is taken from a, a book that's being written. Um, I think it's called Christian Bale and the Dark uh, something Dark Knight uh, problem or whatever. I don't know the exact title. Um, but anyway, this is coming from a book. So they're saying that if this guy's actually putting this information out and it's not true, he could actually be sued for slander. So it kind of adds credence to this. But, I mean, you've got to think how can this guy turn $50 million down, first of all? Second of all, was this kind of what he planned on doing? I mean, Robert Downey Jr. kind of did the same thing. Um, Hugh Jackman kind of did the opposite thing <laughs> in saying, hey, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> but well, it seems to, Okay, it seems I will talk like, about the Hugh Jackman thing real quick. Are you talking, okay, about, okay. Yeah, are you talking about the $100 million? Yeah, $100 million. Did you, yeah. Recently, Hugh Jackman, he said that that was not the truth, that he right. has not been offered $100 million. Yeah. Which, which you know, I, I'm not knocking Hugh Jackman. I think he, he would probably do it for less money than some other people would, right. you know, just because he loves it. So um, it kind of seems like um, just from this article and just from this book that he everyone is kind of pushing him towards it, saying mm-hmm. like, man, why, why wouldn't you take this offer? But you got to think about if he signs this – then he's signing on. He's at least got to do one Justice League, you know. See, that's yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's like we don't want to just have him come back and do Batman versus Superman. No, absolutely not. Be- no. Okay, if it's just a one movie deal, that's ridiculous. We need a multi picture deal. If it's Christian Bale, yeah. we need we need a Justin Le- Justice League movie, and then we need Batman sequels. But even then, I'm not sure I like it because like if they do bring him back to do solo pictures. Nolan wrapped up his movies. It just seems a little weird to me to have Batman solo pictures without Nolan involved and Christian Bale as Batman. Right. Yeah. That's I agree my, with that. My my theory is is that's not what's going to happen. My theory is is that he will sign on for this and he might do one or two Justice Leagues and then that's it and then they reboot Batman with a you know a different character after they're done with Justice League, but, but they again but, but they've got a Henry Cavill who's like young enough to be able to do multiple picture deals and they if they're going to do Justice League I think they need to have somebody in there for the long run, but at the same time like yeah we're talking about having like an older guy play Batman we're having they need to look at what's happening over at Marvel like Robert Downey Jr. is complaining about not being Iron Man. He loves being Iron Man. He's complaining about the fact that he is in his 50s now and the physical demands that it takes on his body to be Iron Man. Right. Even Hugh Jackman is in his 40s now, and it's going to be harder and harder and harder for him to stay in the physical shape that you need to be to be Wolverine. Right. So maybe it does make sense. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. Maybe it does make sense to go with a younger Batman, a guy that can kind of keep up with 
the character physically over the years if they are looking at doing like a long term because I mean these movies come out every two to three years right yeah I mean on that note I mean don't I, I guess for me when it comes to Christian Bale it's like <clears throat> like kind of what you're talking about Brian with having Nolan and Bale working together I really feel like that's a complete series I, I feel like from here on I would rather see somebody new come in and then continue to build on to that yeah. as opposed to try to I, I feel like it, it you might change you might change your mind when I tell you you might change your mind when you hear about who the front runner is for the Batman part. <laughs> yeah, well, but no, 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 no. I want you to finish that up. Yeah, I want you to finish what you have to say. I, I'm concerned about that. Trust me, you know. But at the same time, I, I feel like if, if a new Batman movie comes out, and it's got Bale in it, and then it's going to be consistently compared to Nolan's interpretation, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it can be, it's, it can be done, but. I really loved how that series ended, so it's just hard for me to like wrap my head around trying to have Bale continue on as Batman. I, I, I don't know, I, uh, but go ahead. Well, there's a, there's a, with this, there's a lot of explaining that they're going to have to do because, like you know, I mean, he pretty much he gave the mansion away to like the orphanage and and uh, Alfred's got control of a lot of it and stuff like that. I mean, there's a whole lot of th- loose ends that they're going to have to like fix. You know what I mean? They, they, don't you think they can just say it takes place in between Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, and then you have none of that problem? Well, that's what I was going to ask. Oh, God. Too. It's like, can now you, you sound just... like Brian Singer trying to work out Days of Future Past. <laughs> but, I, well, I that think that's... Leave it. And then you add a hand blower. But you're, t- <laughs> you're, t- you're taking a Batman that's like a real-world Batman that hasn't dealt with any of like the super superpowers yeah. and stuff like that, and right. you're throwing him into that universe, right. and then you're trying to say that like you know this the same Batman that like that beats the shit out of uh, uh, a Superman possibly in the Superman versus Batman gets his ass kicked by Bane. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Fair That's enough. True. Yeah. God damn it, you and your frickin' logic. <laughs> Fuck. No, guys, like, I love Christian Bale as Batman. Trust me, I do. I wish that, there's part of me that wishes that this wasn't an issue, that he could yeah. just be Christian, the Batman that we knew from those films, but Nolan, Nolan pretty much had that movie under his control. That's like Nolan's universe, and like, do we want to tarnish that? Well, that's that's Probably what I was not. trying to say. Is like I don't, I feel like anything that Bale is in after this, if Nolan's not attached to it, it's it's going to be a comparison, and it's going to pale. Like I don't I don't see how, I, I I don't know, and and who knows? Maybe somebody can step up to that play, but that's that's a big fucking batter's box to walk into and and try and and fill those shoes. So Jay, gonna... I know you've got to be thinking some things right now. What, I want you to tell me honestly what you're thinking right now because I know that you have a a passion for Christian Bale as Batman. So I know like of course you want to see him come back as Batman, but do you want to see him necessarily come back as Batman in this Man of Steel universe? Yeah, that's that's a tough question. It I is. Mean, he he definitely is my Batman. Like he embodies him, and I'm a huge fan. So I mean, I I definitely took hold of his portrayal of Batman and oh, Bruce I know. Wayne. Yeah. And so it's it's hard for me. It was very hard for me to think of somebody else doing it. But there's so many great contenders for that role right now. Um, 
I, I don't really want to see him, Christian Bale, come back as like, you know, they're going to try and make him older. And that's not like speculation. That's what the studio has put out. So, you know, this isn't what people are assuming. You know, we he's also sp- spoken to Frank Miller, who wrote that story with the older Batman. So th- this is probably more than speculation. I mean, we could be wrong. but it Yeah, it's like not 100% is- confirmed. So Yeah, it seems pretty set in stone, though, and I don't want to see Bale do that. I, wanna, I do want to see someone like Anson Mount take it over and, and, you know, keep him that age and then do a reboot series with him in it. But... Um, God, I love Christian Bale. He was so good as Batman for me. So, uh, yeah, I, I would still say it's probably best that somebody else steps into that role if, if they want to continue his story because he's not going to do it forever. So why not just get somebody now and establish him without having to tell, you know, the whole origin story over again? Yeah, I guess like with the problem that I have with how the series ended is that he was pretty much he's broke down and he's tired and he's beat at that point so how if you want to talk about continuity how do you how does he step back into the suit and continue well well let me tell you it's it's (laughs) it's not that the story isn't possible because the story is totally possible if you if uh, you read the comics the frank miller series especially so i mean he's you know he's very inventive and as his body fails he learns more tricks to kind of you know, even like armor and cybernetic implants and all that stuff. He gets a lot right. smarter about what can I do besides physically attack people. So that's right. what's really cool about maybe they they could easily say, hey, Christian Bale, this is what, how many years after. Yeah, I want to see Christian Bale be more of the detective and more of yeah. like the tech guy that he is. In the, you know what I mean? Take that right. from the comic book. Uh, if they are going to bring Bale back. And I mean, it makes, okay, for a, from a financial standpoint, it makes sense to bring Christian Bale back, okay? Absolutely. You tell everybody yeah, that Christian that. Bale yeah. comes back, you've got a face of the franchise yeah. going up against Henry Cavill, who's already the face of Man of Steel. Like, for some people, like, for some kids, like, that's their Superman now Yeah, is right. Henry Cavill. So, like, now, uh, you know, okay, I know you've got your people like my generation that we're still looking at, you know, like Christopher Reeves and stuff like that. But, I mean, all right, let's... Let's get past that. You know, Henry Cavill is now Superman. So that that movie, as divisive as it was, it was a success. It was. It was uh, a great success. So if you got Christian Bale attached to this film, right then, you've got a billion-dollar movie. Agreed. That's why yes. it makes sense to offer Christian Bale a dump truck full of money. Right. Just seriously, just, just, come, just say, hey, here's all the money we have. Right, yeah. throw him fifty million. It, Can yeah. I jump in here for a second? Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, this, this is this is absolutely fucking kind of fucked up. But um, Craig Clifton literally just messaged. I saw us that. On our Facebook, yes, he did. And it says, "Hey guys, I sent you the message last week about a younger Batman in 2015 instead of the older everyone has predicted. I'm sure you've seen the article about the newest recommendation from Nolan." It looks like a younger Batman is what they are going for. Same age range as Cavill. Thanks again, guys. Love the show. Huh? While we're talking, but about how much thing. input did? <laughs> but how much input did Nolan have in that last Man of Steel movie? Yeah, I was, he was against. Was listen, he was against the ending, and yeah, they still went with what Zack Snyder wanted. This is Zack Snyder's vision. This is not Nolan's movie, and is and Nolan's not even producer. He's executive producer in this film. 
Exactly. Whenever I see executive producer, all all they did is help with a, just a little bit. You know? Dude, I can I can I can give money to a uh, Kickstarter tomorrow and be an executive producer on something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, so according to a source from London Express, a source from Warner Brothers says that Orlando Bloom is the front runner to play Batman in the Superman versus Batman movie. What are your thoughts, guys? Oh, fuck, fuck it. That's horrible. Yeah, I, I said I would riot. I will single-handedly riot if that happens. So I'm telling you right now, I will take to the streets. The only character I liked him <laughs> in is uh, Legolas. Yeah, right. that's, that's it. the only thing he's Orlando Bloom is Legolas. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly. it. That's it. Everything else he has ever been in, in my opinion, has been garbage. Even uh, even the Pirates of the Caribbean, I could do without him in those movies. Yeah, it's so, it's so I don't know, like plastic, you know, his performances. It's so, he just thinks so something of himself. I don't know, he's a horrible actor, and he's, there's, no, there's not going to be any depth. You need depth if you've got Bruce Wayne and Batman. You right. need somebody well, with a little more depth. That's that's the hardship about trying to find somebody to play the role of Batman is being able to balance the two because you have Batman and then you have to be able to play Bruce Bruce Wayne. You got to be able to do both of them. Yeah. I don't think Orlando Bloom can do either of them. <laughs> Thank you. Like, Thank you. Like, yeah, I agree one hundred percent. Yeah, it's uh, anybody. I don't. I don't know how anybody can even like <laughs> contemplate that. Like if they do that, they would just ruin the entire series. I'd rather see Channing Tatum. As Batman yeah. before I would before well, I would Channing Tatum is gonna be playing Superman in the Lego movie. <laughs> Did you guys know that? No. Uh-uh. Yeah, he's playing the voice in the new Lego movie. He's gonna be Superman, so oh, Well, man. I I would say I think the Orlando Bloom talk has kind of died down. I mean, I was talking to Brian about this because I was legitimately pissed off yeah. and scared. And so I was like, dude. Have you heard this? And he's like, well, you know, it'll probably die down after they get all the fan reactions. That's which- exactly what I said. I think yeah. sometimes what they do is they put these things out there to the public just to hear what their thoughts are. Just to get the pulse. Right. Exactly. Just to it's get kind of like the, the, just yeah. to feel the pulse of the public and what we're right. thinking. Just like when they announced that, okay, uh, they're going to go with voices for Groot and Rocket Raccoon. And then the first names that were mentioned were Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler. Yeah, and people went fucking crazy and said, "No way in hell!" And so <laughs> yeah, we haven't heard anything about Adam Sandler or Jim Carrey since because they they actually they, you know they just kind of put their ear to the train track and they're like, "Up, oh, people don't like this." Yeah, well, they should be. I mean, I would hope they listen a little bit because, and, and that's cool. We talked about this earlier tonight. Yeah. Is that yeah, about- it's cool that we do kind of have a say if we really voice it. Now, some of you guys are just voicing bullshit, and I that pisses me off. You know, there's a lot of unnecessary. Not you guys on the show, but when you look at comments, it's just a lot of unnecessary sure. shit. You sure. know, make an informed opinion. Like, if you want things to change, you can say that, but don't say a bunch of dumb shit. You know, yeah, right. don't be a troll just to be a troll. Like, no, have, that's have have a reason for your for your comment. Use your fucking brain. Yeah, Jake, you motherfucker. What <laughs> 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 I do is troll. <laughs> All right, you guys want to talk a little bit of Marvel? Yeah, I I need a uh, DC Warner Brothers palate cleanser, so let's talk a little bit about Marvel. 
Oh, fuck yes. All right. Unfortunately, it's going to be on the Fox side of things. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Actually, I've got some good news um, from the Fox side, the Fox camp. So let's take this with a grain of salt. But this is some good news. Uh, Chris Claremont is uh, scheduled to meet with Brian Singer to talk about Days of Future Past. Whoa. That'll make it just more confusing. Exactly. But I, I love how Chris Claremont talks about this. He said, I've been asked to kind of maybe be around for a little consultation. I, I won't have a lot of input at all, but it's nice that they asked. <laughs> you know, yeah, that sounds good. You know, I read a story once about um, the filming of X-Men 1, and Patrick Stewart told the story where he asked Brian Singer why Professor X couldn't walk, what what the motivation behind the character was. And Brian Singer's response was, don't worry about that, none of that matters. Oh, you fucking wow. asshole. Wow. I, I heard that in a Patrick Stewart interview, like, way back when the movie came out, and I was just blown away by it. Unbelievable. You know what, okay, like, uh, everybody, like, on um, Facebook and uh, in our email has, like, you know, sent me messages and said, you know, like, they can fix the continuity with, like, different time streams. Right. And, you know, I get that. Okay, yeah, maybe they can. But can the general public get it? And then there's also things in these movies that just are stupid. Like, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but if you watched uh, Wolverine X-Men Origins, um, do you remember um, when he gets shot in the head with that adamantium bullet and he loses his memory? Yeah. How does he remember all the events of Nagasaki then? In this new film. No, don't do that. You're using common sense. Stop it. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying, though? Like, remember, yeah. remember he remember. OK, all the events that happened at Nagasaki when he held like the medal over um, the, the dude and saved his life. And then later on, you know, he remembers that he saved that guy's life. If he actually lost his memory from Wolverine X-Men Origins by getting shot in the head with the adamantium bullet, he wouldn't even remember that guy at all. Right. There's a lot of things that don't make sense that you just can't... Is that in a different time stream? I mean, how many time streams are there? Even right away in X-Men 1, he remembers Sabretooth. Yeah. He's like, oh, I recognize that smell. And he remembers the how Sabretooth fucking smells. Yeah. Right. The only way they could really fix it is like an alternate universe type situation. But like time stream wise, I mean it's all it's all over the place. So I mean and that's like besides the point. Is it just doesn't look good from everything I've seen from him every five fucking minutes every day of my life since he started filming. They they wrapped up filming and uh, yeah, I know. And so hopefully we won't see that many more tweets, but my God, I mean, is it good news that they're bringing in Chris Claremont, though? Or is it just fucking like... Uh, is pan- it is to it, save it, face? Is it just, yeah, is it saving face or just pandering to the fans? Oh, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, exactly, because it's already done, first and foremost. What's he going to add to it after it's done now? Right. Yeah. You know, the editing stuff, I don't know. I mean, like, 
don't get me wrong. I hope it's good. I really do. I, I want to see a good X Men movie. I'm not trying to shit on X Men. I love X Men. Absolutely. We talked Talk about some of the comics we were reading last. <laughs> week. And you know, what? I'm not trying yeah. to take. A, listen, our opinions on this show are not trying to take away from anyone's love of the X Men movies. No, if you no, love no, those no, X Men no, movies, no, I no. want you to continue to love them. Our opinion is just our opinion. We do not have the end all be all opinion of every fucking geek out there. No. We have our opinions. I didn't care for X Men One. I didn't care for X Men Two. X Men Last Last Stand is a piece of crap. Absolutely. Um, Speaking of opinions, Chris Claremont hasn't worth wrote anything worth a shit since like 1994. You know? Yeah. What's he done? Yeah. But I mean, what's he gonna do? That's the question. Nothing. (laughs) <laughs> well, and he, even he knows it. Yeah, that they're yeah. just they're just bringing him in, bringing him in there just to be like, oh, okay, we can just tell you know the fanboys out there the that we bought boys. Chris Clam- Cl- Chris Claremont in. Yeah, you know, and even he wasn't happy with that third act in uh, the Wolverine. He even he thought it was silly. Yeah. You know, I, honestly, like, if I look at the Wolverine at, at the movie, if they would have left out all that other mutant shit. That would have been awesome. Like, if they would have left out Viper, and they would have left out that robotic silver samurai. That shit was fucking weird. If they would have just kept it, like, just normal, like, Wolverine fighting these ninjas and shit, and not brought in the weird Viper, and that that whole third act was just fucking weird, with, like, the whole bone marrow shit, and it just, it, it was weird. It was just weird to me. And uh, just like I think they just brought Viper in there for that mutant element, so that you knew it was an X Men movie. Yeah, I think if they would have just kept everything like they didn't need to bring her in there. I don't know. I don't. Uh, that's, I'm I'm off on another tangent. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, I, I think it's still kind of cool that they brought Chris Claremont in. I don't think it'll do much to help the film. Um, no. as far as input on and how the story will um, unfold. Uh, but, you know, I guess it's a nice nod to the fans um, that I, do. I don't know if we voiced this yet, but the whole disappointing thing to me about this movie is First Class was just so good, and it yeah. was the reboot. Yeah, it was, like it the, was. And now they're fucking up the reboot. Yeah, we, <laughs> we did address this. It's, I, I said uh, it's kind of like a puzzle, and they're trying to take two puzzles and put the pieces from one puzzle uh, and, and put them together in another puzzle. And it's you can't jam two different puzzles together. I just hate that it's going to make First Class seem like a lesser movie. You Agreed. know, it's kind of the same Agreed. way, like, Matrix 1 was so good and Matrix 2 and 3 are so fucking bad. See, that's the thing. That is like you hate Matrix 1. Yeah, the Wachowski brothers, they weren't prepared for the sequels. <laughs> no, right. not at all. They weren't. Well, we planned this no a trilogy idea. the whole time. Oh, yeah, no, you didn't. As soon as this made fucking $300 million, we always meant it to be a trilogy. Yeah. Do, yeah. We're not trying... Gosh, that, see, that's the thing. We're just going to sound like we're shitting all over the X-Men and we hate all these movies. And no. There are things that I can take away from these movies that I did like. There are yeah. things that I did... I, 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 told, I told a uh, listener that I did like the... Uh, the banter between Cyclops, James Marsden, and and Wolverine in the first movies. I loved that shit. But I didn't like the relationship between Wolverine and Sabretooth. It was totally not true to the comic at all. Agree. And, and I, I don't I, care what time stream you put it in. It's bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked First Class more than Captain America and Thor, which both came out like right in the same summer. Yeah. 
That was my favorite of those three movies. I agree. I, I enjoyed it too. I, uh, my girlfriend bought that uh, Blu-ray disc for me, so thank you, Brittany. It's awesome. I'm glad <laughs> she bought great. that. For, out of all those movies that we watched that summer, that's the one she bought for me. So, and, nice. and I, I, I still love that movie. Uh, it has the best action scene in any X-Men movie with the uh, with the the ocean liners and the chains and and all that. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, some news that kind of slipped by us and, and a lot of other media outlets that happened at San Diego Comic-Con was a panel with Hugh Jackman uh, where he hints at possibly wearing a suit that he's famous for in the comics. Hmm. Um, during the press conference, Jackman said, in the future, the X-Men suits are really, I'm just pausing in case I'm going too far, are unbelievable. First of all, Hell of a lot more comfortable to wear than X-Men 1 and 2. But they look really amazing. And people in the future wear suits who have never worn suits before. That's all I'm going to say. Huh. That's pretty revealing, dude. I think he's going to be wearing one of these classic X-Men suits that he Uh, wears in the comics in the film. Finally! That would be awesome. That's good news. Yeah, that is good news. I, I've always wanted to see that. I think a lot of people have. They were kind of sick of the whole leather jacket. In the prefer look. a blue and yellow spandex. Mm. Mm-hmm. Listen, like listen, listen. Hold on, hold on. Have any no, of no, you... No, no, That was like from like the first X-Men, whenever Cyclops is like, you know, Wolverine's bitching about the universe. Oh, I know. I remember. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. But have any of you played the X-Men Origins Wolverine game from like 2008? Oh, that game was fucking awesome. Did you ever unlock the costumes for Wolverine? Oh, yeah, I got a ton of that. I, I played did they, out of that game. And you're playing as Hugh Jackman. Did they or did they not look good? Oh, they did look good. And they can do that in a film. Can they not, Jake? Oh, they can't. I want to see Wolverine in the headgear so bad. I mean, we've uh, seen yeah, him in, what, like five, six fucking movies now and still no headgear? Yeah. yeah. Come on, throw us a fucking bone. Well, he's going to want to be anonymous at some point, you know? He's going to want to have a costume on so that they can't, like, pick him out in a crowd somewhere. That would be stupid. As a Weapon X project, and he's just walking around after killing a bunch of people. So, yeah, I think it you know, it would make sense, too, but... Right. Uh, I don't know. I hope, I hope we see that at least, you know? I agree. I, I'm, I've got my fingers crossed, dude. That would be, it's about time, and we need to see Jackman, okay? Because it's not like they have him wrapped up for any other movie. We need to see Jackman in the suit. Yeah. If that's going to reinvigorate people, I mean, just that one scene. Seriously, right. if they if they throw him in that suit, that I'll pay I'll pay admission for that. Yeah, do it in the fucking danger room or something. Just throw it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, well, in the video game, was it was it more armor or was it just like classic suit? I mean, did, did was they, it Jay? They they had person? all of the suits. They had like the exports suit. They had the um like the uh, brown and black brown suit. And dude, then, yeah. dude, 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 dude. So what if what if in X Force that's when he gets his suit? If they do that movie. Right. What if what if that's when he gets a suit? You know, like he'll get the black and white. That's what it was, wasn't it? Like a uh, black and white. I can't wait any longer, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> but but I would think I would think that would be a good explanation for why he'd be wearing the suit. You know, more more covert because that's what X Force was was kind of an assassination squad. You know. Yeah. That'd be cool. 
Man, I want to play that game again. That game was so much fun. It was. The game was a lot better than the fucking movie. Oh, it was way better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you just got to go berserker rage on like waves of people, and it was a really great platformer. The story uh, mode was the story was a lot better than the movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Deadpool was better, and Deadpool actually yes. talks. <laughs> it's um, not the merc with the mouth who gets his mouth sewn shut within the first fifteen minutes of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, don't even start on that. Do you guys want to keep... Let's keep it Marvel. Okay. Um, in an interview with Collider, Alan Taylor, who's also the director uh, for HBO Game of Thrones, um, he's the director for the new Thor The Dark World movie. Yes. He said that they are bringing back Anthony Hopkins for some more suits and that they're getting some more Loki scenes added to the film. Uh, he wants to work on some of the relationships in the film. He wants to make sure that those scenes are portrayed correctly. Um, have you guys heard this rumor at all? Um, also, that Natalie Portman's character of Jane Foster could possibly die in this movie? Yeah. Oh, that's cool, though. Yeah, I heard that early on, yeah. Apparently, I've heard I, I've heard rumblings um, from other media sources that, that she didn't like being a part of the first film and that the only reason that she's doing this second one is because of her contract that she has with Marvel Studios. So if that's the case, they have to throw in there that she does die in this film. Right. Um, you know, and, and that's not a spoiler because I don't know if this happens or not. Okay. And this no. is all just, uh, you know, hearsay and rumors. But, um, you know, uh, it's not called the dark world for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, I, I don't know. Have you guys seen the new trailer where they show the rock giant and all that? Oh, yeah. 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 That yeah. was actually, that played on the trailer today for uh, Kick Ass 2. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I saw that as well. But, uh, uh, I think it's really cool that they they're wanting to get some more Loki scenes and they're wanting to get these relationships right. Um, it's kind of uh, it's a little bit scary, I guess, that they're doing it uh, so close to um, the premiere of the movie that they're still shooting. Yeah. You know, because yeah. this is actually post production time. You know, where they should be like wrapping the film up and getting it ready. You know, because this is it's you know it's coming out in November. November, yeah. We're talking Can I throw about out some Thor news real quick. Yes. Um, I just read yesterday that um, internationally it's going to come out a week before U.S. gets it, just like Avengers. And uh, oh, uh, that shit was really annoying. Yeah, Thanos yeah. spoiled for yep. me because yep. International Avengers was came out first and everything. So. Why the fuck did they do that? Uh, it's going to be it's going to be an IMAX release. Yeah, but I mean, before. still, all these you're can, really going to have. Can to I play devil's advocate? On. Yeah, can I play devil's advocate real quick? Yeah, I don't know how you can, but let's hear it. Okay. If Avengers was not released a week before, Joss Whedon wouldn't have the brilliant idea of adding the shawarma scene. Uh (laughs) Yeah, fuck that. Listen, listen. When it first was played over in Australia, um, it did not have the shawarma scene at the end of the film. Now, what happened was at the premiere, all the actors got together and they watched the movie together. And then somebody said, man, it'd be funny if uh, they all got together and ate shawarma together. <laughs> and so Josh Whedon, a light went off and he was like, hey, we're all here. We can do this right now. Let's shoot this. All the actors agreed. Now, uh, Chris Evans at the time was filming another movie, which is coming out recently. It's going to come out soon. And he had a full beard on. So if you notice when you watch that shawarma scene, he's kind of like like put his hand up in front of his face so that you can't see his facial hair. Right. Uh, but 
that's when they filmed that shawarma scene that we all loved at the end of the post credits is a, uh, after the fact. So I just wanted to throw that out there real quick. Yeah, I just I just hate the spoilers a week before I even can see the movie. I know you, you've got to go on media blackout and it's bullshit. I understand. I, yeah, I get that. But I, I will I will say that we wouldn't have got the the, uh, the shawarma scene had it not been for the premiere in Australia a week before it actually came out. So I could have waited for Blu-ray for the shawarma. <laughs> there wouldn't have been a shawarma scene, though, Jay. There would not have been a shawarma scene. And that was like God one of the it, biggest. Brian, they wait, spoiled so Thanos for me. They told me Thanos before I saw the movie, those fucking international people. So what did they have at the end of the credits then? Was it just a Thanos scene? Yeah. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Okay. He smiles at the camera. Right. Which was awesome. <laughs> But did, did you guys also hear on the Avengers tip that um, uh, Robert Redford is rumored to be the Red Skull in the Avengers 2? Or, I mean, in Captain America Winter Soldier. So no, I did not hear sure. that. Have you heard that? Robert Redford is in the movie for sure. He's in right? it, yeah, but he's rumored to be... Well, what he is, all we know so far is that he's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Um, and so he's working a lot with Nick Fury, and they kind of have this, this relationship. And, and they said a lot of, of Captain America Winter Soldier is about relationships. I mean, you have, uh, Winters, you have Captain America, you have Black Widow, you have Nick Fury, Robert Redford's character, and they all have this history together. And so a lot of it's going to be about these guys' relationships, which I think is pretty cool that they're going to explore that a little more. But they're saying he's kind of working from the inside and, and kind of tearing things apart in S.H.I.E.L.D., but that his actual character might, it's a rumor, nothing is confirmed, but that he might be the, the Red Skull. And it might be revealed in the movie as well. I hope Robert Redford's in more Marvel movies. Yeah, I mean, I do too. But I, I, think, I think if anyone could pull that off, because, you know, the, the problem with the Red Skull has always been it's kind of hokey. You know, when you see it on screen, it's like, yeah, you know, this guy's in prosthetics. But you get an actor like Robert Redford. I mean, he's 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 fantastic. He's had a lot of good roles, and he's a great actor. And I think it'd be cool to see him in kind of playing that role because he's never done something like that before, and you know he's well established. So I I don't know. I think that if that's true, I think it's a cool twist to the story, and I kind of can see it. You know, I mean, the Red Skull isn't dead. We all know that um, from Avengers One. He was just kind of teleported. So they got to bring him back some way. You know, is this what's going to happen? We don't know, but that's, you know, that's just some rumors I've been hearing. So that's kind of weird, though, how they're going to explain it was Hugo Weaving and now it's Robert Redford. That's yeah. what I was just thinking. Yeah. 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 If, if you're going to bring him back, I mean, don't you bring him back as the same guy? No, you can't because Hugo Weaving had a lot of problems with uh, the filming for the first movie and he did not want to come back and play that character again. He did. A lot of people have problems with working with Marvel Studios, okay? Yeah, you guys. Do. If if you if you if you listen to a lot of these actors talk about working with Marvel Studios, they're not an easy company to work for. And Hugo Weaving did not have a good experience with them. He will not be coming back and playing the Red Skull again. That's yeah. too bad because I, I I like Hugo as a bad guy. I mean, he he does it so well. Yeah, but this Agreed. guy this guy can put on any face. It's not like he's stuck to one. No, right, and and I I get that. I get that. I just in terms of. 
I don't know. I think when you're comparing the two, I mean, Redford's a lot older, which I guess that would kind of play into the timeline, I guess. But I don't know. It's, it is what it is. We'll see what happens. I, obviously, Redford's uh, a well-established actor. He's high caliber, man. So yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no yeah. doubting his capabilities. I'm not trying to say that at all. So I yeah. like Redford. Yeah. I mean, he he's got nothing else going on. And you got to think like when he's offered this kind of role, you know what his mindset is, and he's probably like, yeah, I'm going to play the fuck out of this because I sure. got nothing else going on. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Um, let's see here. We've got some more. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep going. Marvel. Um, there have been uh, some Simon Pegg uh, playing Ant Man rumors flying all over the internet, the internet this past week. Have you guys been uh, seeing that at all? Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, it all. Jay, did you hear about this? Yeah, I mean, and it's it's partially his fault. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it, it really it all started with a pic uh, and some tweets. I mean, Peg was at Marvel Studios meeting with Edgar Wright, his his friend. I mean, uh, him and Edgar Wright have they did uh, Shaun of the Dead, uh, yes. they did Hot Fuzz, and you know, coming up in August uh, later this month, they've got uh, At World's End, uh, which is going to complete the Cornetto trilogy. You know, Edgar Wright. Uh, his trilogy. So yeah, I'm um, looking forward to that. Absolutely. And this last movie looks really good. It looks yeah, really it fun. Yeah. So um Peg was at Marvel Studios. He he met with Edgar Wright and, and he took a picture of himself standing next to like, you know, the incredible Hulk statue and some other things. But then he also took a picture of himself standing next to uh, a picture of Ant Man while pointing at it. <laughs> yeah. And so People went crazy, and the headline for this picture was fun at Marvel. And, like, people went nuts. And so he later tweeted, for fuck's sake, the internet, all I did was point at the central character in my dear friend's next movie because I'm excited for him. Hashtag I am Ant-Man. <laughs> now, moments later, he tweeted, he tweeted, oh, wait, I fucked up that hashtag. It was supposed to be I am not Ant-Man. <laughs> and then there was one final tweet, and he stated, I am, however, going to play Ant-Nan, a, fi- <laughs> a film about the adventures of a tiny grandmother. Hashtag I am Ant-Nan. Um, so, I mean, he was having a lot of fun, and I think all he was doing really was trying to promote um, At World's End, his buddy's, uh, you know, Edgar Wright's movie at Marvel, uh, while, basically, he was just recording a podcast at Marvel Studios for At World's End. That's it. Yeah. Um, Slash Film uh, tweeted, uh, Mar- like, a, a Marvel representative later, um, uh, they, they, they tweeted him, is Simon Pegg Edgar Wright's Ant-Man? And then Slash Film replied, nope, we just had him in the New York City office for a tour and a podcast. And that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was pretty funny, though. It, it was going on all week back and forth with him and, and people saying, you know, talking about it. It got a lot of hype. I mean, it was pretty much all over the Internet. Yeah, it was. All week. And, uh I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him as Ant-Man. Yeah, because it would rule. That's yeah. why I got a lot of hype. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind that. So maybe he is really fucking with everybody. And still, either way, like, it'll be fun. You know, even if he gets the role, if he is already knows it, 
it'd still be fucking fun as hell. I mean, it was just it was a fun week reading all these tweets back and forth and him like just fucking with everybody. <laughs> yeah, he's got a great sense of humor on Twitter. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think he's kind of taken a uh, a play from the old uh, Vin Diesel playbook too. So yeah, you yeah, know, definitely. So I mean, and it helps promote at World's End, and uh, it was fun. I mean, if if he is Ant Man, hey, that's awesome. If he's not, that's fine too. Yeah, uh, I, I have I have full trust in Edgar Wright that this Ant Man movie is going to be is going to be a fun movie. Can I ask a question real quick on the podcast? No, no. not at all. No. Speaking, mm-hmm. speaking of actually, Man we're going to end the podcast right now on that note. So, right, hey guys, guys we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> Roll the music. <laughs> no, you can go ahead and ask a question. All right. Are we going to do a Riddick episode? <laughs> That's a good question. I honestly, I I'm weird because I'm one of those people that didn't like Pitch Black, but I no, love. I fucking hate it. I was just gonna say right now that I'm bowing out of the Riddick episode. But I loved Chronicles of Riddick with Carl Urban. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know that's weird. I, I hated Pitch Black, but I love Chronicles of Riddick because I loved Pitch Black. Pitch Black is one of the most headache-inducing movies ever. Like the first twenty minutes is just shaky cam and blinking lights. Does it make sense to you that like he dies in Pitch Black, but he's such a badass in Chronicles of Riddick and in every Riddick, uh, like the new Riddick movie, he like does like things that are just amazing. It's like he's like the first guy that died. Exactly. It's like how the fuck did they die so easily? But he's such an amazing badass in Chronicles of Riddick and in the new Riddick trailers. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, just so I don't get fired in a future episode, I'm bowing out of the fucking Riddick episode. Oh, you'll Fuck still, that. You'll Fuck still that. When, I, when I saw the trailer for that today, I was actually kind of pumped. So, Dude, uh, the Riddick, yeah, the Riddick trailer actually that. looked really good. Fuck that franchise. Oh, jeez. I like it, man. I'm, I'm down for it. <laughs> Fuck, for it. <laughs> Fuck that franchise. <laughs> <laughs> you are not going to hear that on any other podcast. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like everybody's like politically correct. Like you know, yeah, you know, I didn't really enjoy it, and you know, you know, yeah, I like Vin Diesel, but I didn't really enjoy the Chronicles of Riddick. Jake's just like fuck that franchise. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to go off on a tangent about the Pitch Black, but oh, I just can't fucking take it. I hate Vin Diesel. I hate that franchise. It can all go fuck itself. You probably like uh, Daniel Tosh's stand-up about uh, Vin Diesel. Have you heard that? I've not. Oh no, he talks about you know if you're a Vin Diesel fan, then you probably shouldn't be here right now. You should probably be at home coloring pictures because you wouldn't understand it. You might jokes anyway. <laughs> nice. So, so with that, what do you guys think of the rumors that he might be Groot? Yeah, guys, is it confirmed? Guys, because I've heard it's confirmed. I, yeah. I keep hearing it's confirmed. I was looking online today. But you can't find can't. anything that's saying it's concrete. I can't no. think of anybody better to play a plant <laughs> than Ben <laughs> so Well, guys, he did play the Iron Giant. <laughs> that's true. So. That's true. I don't mind Vin Diesel as much, uh, and again, I might get flack for that, but I, I, I don't know. I think he's all right. So I, 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 I liked him in uh, the uh, what was that movie uh, with uh, Giovanni Ribisi? Oh shit! With a Ben Affleck. Giovanni Ribisi is great, though. Yeah. It's the shit. It's the the Wall Street kids, and they're fucking selling stocks and shit, and. And that movie, I, I forget what it's called too, but it wasn't great because of Van Diesel. No, it wasn't great, but he was good in that movie. Boiler Room. Boiler Room, yeah, that's yeah. what it was. 
I would still. I that was still a fun ten minutes figuring that out. I I still want to see him as the Vision, man. I, I do still, too. I want to see him as Vision. I want to see him as Vision and like voiced by someone else. No, I, no. <laughs> listen, I either want to see him as Vision or I want to see him as the Scarlet Witch. <laughs> 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 he, he's he's perfect for that. He's got kind of the robotic, you know. You know, he's a fucking robot when he yeah. acts. I want to see him as Vision, dude. Totally. He That'd he can he that. can make it good. He can make it kind of funny too. And and they've talked about this as kind of a he 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 was quoted as saying it's kind of a weird love story. His character is guys. Involved. All you got to think about is him just saying I am Groot, and I don't want to hear him saying I am Groot. No, I'm not going to be like, oh, 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 good lord, that was funny. Oh, that was Vin Diesel. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Who cares? So, yeah, why would they cast him as Groot? Yeah. I hope not. I I hope not, too, dude. Fuck that. Now, now, did you guys also hear, speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy, the uh, Rocket Raccoon rumor? No. That was going to voice him. No. Well, James Gunn's brother... Sean Gunn is apparently uh, the one who is rumored to be voicing him, and neither nobody's uh, denied this. They actually asked him, you know, is this go, is this true? Um, is he or is he going to have a cameo? And James Gunn said, "Oh, it's more than a cameo." So the the rumor is though that he's going to be Rocket Raccoon, which I, I you know I'm cool with. I, it doesn't matter to me who it is. It doesn't have to be a big name actor. I just want the character to be right. I want the voice to be right. So if he did it, that's fine. But yeah, that that's a rumor that just came out. Like I kind of have a problem with that personally. I think that they do need to have big stars in either playing Groot or Rocket Raccoon to bring in an audience. Because pretty much everybody that they've cast in this film, Jay, is like... You know, it's not like you're going to have like a horde of Chris Pratt fans flocking to the theaters... Because they like Parks and Rec. Yeah, the biggest star at this point is, oh, God, what's his name? The guy from Step Brothers. Um, yeah, uh, John C. Riley. Yeah, yeah, I can barely think of his name, and he's the biggest star in the movie. You need two big voice actors in these parts to get the public, general public that doesn't know anything about Guardians of the Galaxy. We need their butts in, in seats to make this successful. Right, right. You know, yeah, I get you. Yeah, I totally get it. You know, who but I, no, I know what you're saying, Jay. It's like you want the best person in there to play this part, but at the same time, you know, uh, if there's if there's a more established actor in Hollywood that can do this, that can drive some more people to go sit in the seats. I'm yeah. all for it because this. What, what what I'm almost thinking is that he was maybe used as like just to you know film it. You know what right. I'm saying? And yes. then they'll go back. So yes. maybe. Yes. It, you're right. Like it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it would kind of take some of the intrigue about like going to see this if it was just a no name doing. Right. Rocket Raccoon's got to be somebody. And I'm not saying I fucking want Adam Sandler or Jim Carrey to be the voice. Yeah, yeah. You know, I really want Tommy Lee Jones as Rocket Raccoon. I think that's perfect. I think it, he's a he's one of the best like war strategists on the planet. But he's they already the had him in Captain America. Yeah, but it's just a voice. It's you know. Mm, that's just, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm yeah. saying is they I'm, already had him in Captain America. Captain America are the same person. Yeah, so but you know. got Fox Studios and you got Marvel Studios. That's true. That's true. Yeah, but I mean, bottom line is, I don't want him to be Groot. I don't think it. Uh, like I said, I don't think it's cute or humorous. 
and I know when I'm watching it, it's going to be like nails on a chalkboard, just kind of like. <laughs> can, can I give? Can I give my uh, who I want to play Rocket Raccoon? Oh yeah, definitely. Jason Statham. Oh fuck yeah! Oh man. Fuck yeah! That'd be perfect. Somebody like that, yeah, with just kind of a like a cleaver like wit, you know, and able to deliver the lines in a way that that's believable. I'm not saying he's a smart dude. I don't fucking know him, but like you know, just to be able to deliver the lines. You know, for somebody like that, because he's yeah, he's a badass. You know, Rocket Raccoon's no joke. Yeah, <laughs> he's that's a raccoon. That's who I've always kind of you know in my head. I've got Jason. I've kind of got like a British accent going, a British badass, and Jason Statham is my guy for Rocket Raccoon. That would be great. Yeah, no, I don't want Vin Diesel to touch that. But Vision, yes, I think he's perfect for that role. Um, let's see here. But Jake, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be upset if they got Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, he had a good working relationship with Marvel, I read, on Captain America. That's good. So, I don't know. I just, I just want an older actor for Rocket Raccoon for some reason. Yeah, kind of gnarly, like Clint Eastwoody type, maybe. In my head, when I read Rocket Word Balloons, it's it's definitely an older voice. It's not like a cute voice. Let's, or, get, you know. uh, let's get Sir Ian McKellen in there. Yeah. You shall not pass. <laughs> <laughs> Thou shall not pass. I smoked him. <laughs> the only thing Ian McKellen's passing these days is kidney stones. I swear. Oh, shit. Wah, 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 wah. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I've been, it, it took me a week. It took me a week to think of that. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, Latino Review has some uh, Star Wars 7 episode rumors. Uh, I do want to get to these before we wrap this news portion up. And if you guys had anything else you wanted to talk about, we can do that too. But uh, Palpatine, uh, they say that Palpatine, uh, uh, Senator Palpatine will return, but not as a clone in the new Star Wars film. But uh, he'll return as a dark side ghost, just like the Jedi's return as a force ghost. So he won't be coming back like a clone as he did in the old Dark Horse comics. Um, You know, Sith Lords learned similar techniques. Uh, In some cases, they allowed them to actually physically interact with their environment. Um, Now, George Lucas in the past has said that uh, Sith Lords can't do this. This is a Jedi thing. Um, What do you guys think? I, I think it's the best way to go. I'm I'm pretty intrigued because, I mean, I think we all thought for a long time this was definitely going to be based on something in the comic books um from what they're saying is that none of this is going to be based on the comic books. Exactly. that's so, what i've heard too yeah so i'm kind of more interested in that telling you know i i've i've read the comics i liked them but i you know i don't really need that told again so do something new yeah that'd be interesting i think it's a good way to go with it um but don't you find it odd that it, it like george lucas has said like Sith Lords can't come back as, like, dark side ghosts. Right, right. I find it odd that Kathleen Kennedy Abrams, and and even Disney for that matter, would just go against what Lucas said. Yeah, you're right. And I guess you've got the – first off, I don't know, you know, like, not all fans back Lucas, but the, the ones that do are going to be like, what the fuck? You know, Lucas, this is his creation. He says they can't do this. Why the right. fuck are you saying that they can't, that he can't? yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does, it does kind of take away from it, I guess. But I, I don't know. I think it would be a good way to keep him in there without just, you know, rehashing old stories. I, that's that's what's I, that's what I love about the Star Wars, like, comic books is it's telling a new story. So, well, yeah, Jay, I agree I mean, 100%. I, 
Yeah, I mean, in terms of if if he if Palpatine's going to be back in the movie, I'd much rather he be the ghost than than like the stupid. What I think is kind of a dumb storyline of the, the clone because it's like in terms of the movies because we had talked about this before, which is I want to see the future of Star Wars, which yeah. leaves behind everything that happened. You know what I mean? Like I want to see that transition and and then a whole new a whole new story. So to have what bothers me about all of this is to have Palpatine back involved with it. It's like, Oh, okay. So it's just going to be a redub, you know, he's going to be manipulating the mind of somebody else. And then it's just going to go from there. And I don't know. I just, I want to see Ford. Okay. Chad, Chad, what if, what if though? Okay. What if like, that is the best story though? Well, in terms, like I said, if, if Palpatine's back in it, as long, I I don't want to see the clone aspect of it i i think that would be horrible <laughs> and for the for the movie so it's so predictable that, yeah exactly exactly it's like i, I want to see something so at least at least if he comes back as the force ghost at least he's not it, it wasn't something that everybody had on their radar to begin with so if if that happens then it happens but i would i'd if it were me, I would just rather not see him in there. But if if it does have to happen, I guess that would be better than having the whole clone storyline. So, yeah, yeah but the the clone storyline would almost make more sense. You know, I mean, just because the last, you know, the prequels, you know, focused on that so much was the clones, and you know, all the stormtroopers were clones and all that stuff. So. I, I don't know. I think either way, I'm fine with it. I, I kind of want him to be back. Um, the other part of the rumor is is that he had another apprentice before he died. Exactly. Yep. So it would make sense to have him kind of there, still teaching in, in this regards and in, in that capacity. You know. So right. I, I don't know. I I want to see him back just because I, I would like I would even like to see Vader back honestly I, I just mean, don't want to hear all the fanboy guys I just don't want to hear all the fanboy bitching yeah I mean but you're gonna have that I no know but what, like no if what. we can keep it at a fucking minimum jeez yeah. Louise it's like seriously as soon as they do like a like a dark side ghost people are gonna be like well George Lucas said that, that that's not possible, and it's like then we're gonna have we're gonna have to fucking put up with that shit on the fucking internet after the movie you know comes what? out. Uh, fuck the canon. I'm more concerned about the story. Give me yeah, a good can, story to give me. A, yeah, thank you. Exactly. Good. Good. Can, I, good. can I step into all that yeah. all that expanded universe stuff? That's all just fucking glorified fan fiction. Yeah, none of that. None of that matters. It I is. don't care if anyone's like, "Well, in that glorified fan fiction, this happened." Yeah, that glorified fan fiction killed Chewbacca. Yeah, exactly. Right. Fuck all that noise. Fuck that. And the only reason it killed Chewbacca was to sell fucking issues. Right. Yeah, they told us Chewbacca was going to die before the book came out. Exactly. <laughs> And I'm not saying fuck all Dark Horse, because Dark Horse has done a great job with the Star Wars property in general. No, Dark Empire, when Dark Empire came out, I was fucking blown through the roof. That was the best series I've ever read, yeah. Dark Empire, check it out. But I don't like stories that are motivated by selling issues. No, no. It should sell issues by the story that's being told. So. Yeah, agreed. Um, you know, yeah, I just want the best story. Po- I want the best Star Wars story to be told uh, possible in these exactly. new films. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's what I want. And and what I, I just 
I'm concerned about bringing rehashing all these old characters. I guess is my concern. But, but see, that's like like when we it, when we had our Star right. Wars episode last time. Right. Everybody on the podcast was like, "Oh, I just want like okay, if they're going to bring back Leia and Han and Luke, I just want them to die." Yeah, and it's uh, like, if that's not like the best way to go about the story, then why do that? If you can have these characters involved in the story to where it makes it's the best story possible to have them around, then why not do it? You know, I mean, and even for like, uh, even for Harrison Ford and Le- and uh, Carrie Fisher to put their input, like, oh yeah, we need to die. That's stupid. Just to yeah, say, well, just to say it. And I, I didn't even. I mean, I'm pretty sure. Like, I think, anyways, what we had talked about, or what I had said, anyways, was just if they want to be in it, just, uh, to have the cameos and have them be like uh, a bridge to the new storyline, then that's I'm good with that. I just don't want a rehash of. Of the you know four five they are the only good things about the Star Wars universe in my opinion from no, those, I agree. I and agree. so they need to be a bridge into these next movies, right. and I don't think you just need to like uh, haphazardly kill them off just to get them out of the picture. No, no. I mean if I, they I, are going to have deaths, I think their deaths need to be significant, and they need to have lasting effects on the universe. Right. Yeah. You just don't I'd kill be, them to kill them. I'd be fine if they killed them in the opening scrawl. <laughs> yeah. no, hopefully no. there's not too much lens flare <laughs> no yeah the opening scrawl will probably cause lens flare <laughs> oh I'm sorry I had to throw that in there <laughs> I just I'm just saying I just don't want us I, I just don't want uh, you know sometimes like the what you want is not the best thing for a movie no, I get that. Getting what you want from uh, either a TV show or a movie, it's like, oh, this is what I want to see in the next movie. Sometimes getting what you want isn't always the best thing. That's all right. I'm going to say. Yeah. Getting what you didn't expect is way more exciting. Absolutely. And, like, yeah. th- what I expect is that they're just going to go ahead and kill Han off. That's what I expect, is I expect Han Solo to die. Here's what I expect. I expect J.J. Abrams to still deliver Star Wars Episode Seven, and I, I think it's still going to be good. I, I, I'm confident that no matter what's going on with it and what I might like or not like, I think at the end of the day when I watch the movie, it's still going to be a good flick. And and I'm hopeful for that, I guess. But I, I think it's going to work, man. I'm I'm pumped for it still. He's good so at I'm bringing – yeah, he's good at bringing like the emotional – bringing like emotionally getting you invested in these movies. He really yeah. is good at that. Like – like you know, you know uh, what was that? Uh, what was the movie um, with the kids? Uh, the eight movie. What was Super it? Super eight. Super eight. You know, um, and uh, even the new star, like the 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 Star Trek, the first movie, the reboot. Um, oh yeah. You know, I hope uh, I hope Hit Girl gets a lightsaber. Yeah, me too. I want to uh, see. I want to see Hit Girl with a lightsaber, and I want to see our girl Jennifer Lawrence out there with a lightsaber. Oh yeah, Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, Silver Lining, Silver Linings lightsabers. <laughs> Dude, I, that's what I want to see, man. Is I want to see those two with lightsabers. I want to see those two kicking ass. Um, you know, I mean, there's uh, I, there's some other actors that I've mentioned that I've wanted to see in these movies. I wouldn't mind seeing. Uh, you know, it looks like uh, Tom Hiddleston's schedule is going to be open after this whole Loki business. To- oh man, how great would he be as a Sith Lord? Thank you. Oh. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, you've got Tom Hardy, man. 
Yes. Let's yeah. let's throw him in there, man. Either sure. you know, um, and then I, I like also I'm a big fan of Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, these are guys that I would like to see in a Star Wars film, personally. So that's that's my two cents. Um, you know, according to rumors, I've also heard that Ewan McGregor would like to come back as a Force ghost in the new films. I'd be cool with that. Um, and he's also stated that he'd like to also reappear as Obi-Wan in some standalone films, too. Wait a minute, though. And the... It, I don't know. I know. I know. I know what you're going to say, because yeah. they showed him as an older... Yeah. Yeah. yeah it would be tough to... Uh... I know. Yeah, they already they already fucked up the end of Return of the Jedi and changed yes. it, so it's Hayden Christensen at the end. I know. So. <laughs> yeah. They can do yeah. whatever the fuck they want, I guess. Yeah. yeah. They, yeah they, so... they, they really could. I, I think it's just Ewan McGregor saying he'd like to come back. I don't see anybody like going crazy if he does come back or... You know what I mean? I, I don't I care either way. I was thinking I really liked him and his character. He was the best part of the prequels, if you ask me. Yeah, I agree. But I wouldn't... Well, I would wouldn't riot if he doesn't come back. Yeah. No, no. I feel like I'm single-handedly earning our explicit banner on this episode. Fuck, Well, Jake, you love you love the prequels. I do love the prequels. Episode one is like one of my top five movies of all time. This coming from a guy that always talks about like there was no heart in Man of Steel. Well, I can tell you there was no heart. <laughs> I, mean, I fucking I there was fucking no heart in the prequels. Anakin leaves his mom. So that's because you're a big <laughs> pussy. No emotion in Man. That's because you're a big. I tear up. You're a pussy. <laughs> the only time I cried during Man of Steel is when my ass hurt so much after two fucking hours. Oh, I just. <laughs> Moving on. Can we talk about the markings yet? We'll do a future Man of Steel hate episode. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, no, we're not going to do a future Man of Steel hate episode. <laughs> yeah. It'll come around. Oh, couple, really? Give it a couple years and you'll be like, oh my god, Jake. I'm so sorry I ever liked that movie. No. There was no, no heart no. In, in Star Wars Episode One, if you ask me, man. I mean, your your main who was your main protagonist in that film, Jake? Obi Wan and Anakin. So we had two main protagonists in that film. (laughs) Interesting. Okay, so (laughs) I'm supposed to relate to a cocky eight nine year old kid. All I'm saying is the last half an hour. It should have been. It should have been in that first movie. Anakin should have been the same age as Luke was yes. in the first Star Wars film. It should have mirrored the original movies. So that way you could relate to the original films. And they should have had a nice blend of practical effects with the CGI. Right. You don't need to take full advantage of the CGI. They, everything just looked like it was fucking green screen magic in that movie. Wow. The CGI looks great. The pod race is amazing. Pod race is amazing, race but is that amazing. final battle on uh, what was it the uh, the, the Gungan oh, yeah. battle? Naboo. Yeah, yeah it, it looked it looked like a, uh, like I could I could be watching uh, like uh, what was it the like a cartoon one of these cartoon yeah. like Toy Story or something. Give it give it five years and Lucas will fix it. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no, I don't agree. Yeah, I don't agree with that. Me, so fucking annoying. <laughs> <laughs> that that motherfucker drove me crazy. I love boss ass. 
I, I just, yeah, I mean, when I saw that, I was like, what the fuck happened? What happened? Because when you saw the pre, when I saw the previews, I was like, oh, this is going to be so dark. And then when I saw the first one, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. It was, <laughs> like, I'll admit, like, it was cool seeing the two Jedi interact at first. But, like, as soon as Anakin got brought into that movie, dude, I was like, what the, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. yeah. Hi guys, you want to go pod racing? Yeah. You're I like, like a, are you an angel? Are you an? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would yeah. Hey, I'm that. gonna fuck you in a few years. <laughs> is that cool? With I'm nine years old. This isn't creepy, is it? I always make fun of when uh, Gui Gon picks him up to put him in the uh, pod, and he goes, "Wee!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I, I, okay, then again, I'm not trying to take away your love for the prequels. I like, you know, whatever. You like the prequels, that's great. But, you know, for me, it just didn't do it. I just didn't think it had the heart of the first films. And um, I, I wish that those movies, there's a lot of things that I wish that uh, that didn't happen. I didn't like the uh, um, midichlorian bullshit. I think that they just kind of pandered to, like, the people that were, like, that didn't want the Force to be this, this sort of religion thing, so they put more science into it. And I think that's yeah. bullshit. Yeah, it was like they appealed to the uh, pen and paper Star Wars RPG players there. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Like, ooh, oh, he's got almost as many, he's got more midichlorians than Master Yoda. <laughs> God. Yeah, yeah. No. Stupid. Fucking stupid. No mention of mini chlorians at all in the first three films. No. In four, you think five, it would have being as was just, later. Yeah. yeah, they just didn't have the science yet in the future. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That makes sense. It's not the future though, Chad. It's it's a long, long time ago. And like, you know, it's like you've got you've got Obi Wan Kenobi talking about like I fought alongside your father in the Clone Wars and what did they do with the Clone Wars? They turned it into a fucking cartoon. Yeah, which is one of the greatest cartoons ever. It is, but, yeah, but I'm still. all I'm saying is that like you wanted to see that in the movies. Like as soon as he said that sentence, you're like, "Oh my god, the Clone Wars?" Yeah. Oh my god, like your imagination went crazy and like that's all you wanted to see was the Clone Wars and like what they gave us was not really what I wanted. You saw what caused the Clone Wars though in the beginning of the Clone Wars. I I was fine with it. They they set it up for like this great story, <laughs> and then they just were like, "Ah, eh, we'll skip it." <laughs> yeah, big deal. I mean, I, I a cartoon, you know, like, <laughs> but I I kind of understand that like there's so much to the Clone Wars that you can't fit into one film. Right. Well, sure. But on the flip side, it's like, God dang it! When he said that about the Clone Wars, it was just like every kid's imagination went wild, and you're just like, Oh my gosh! You know, Obi Wan Kenobi and uh, Anakin fighting alongside each other in the Clone Wars. What happened? I want to know the whole story. And yeah, uh, don't worry, we'll animate I felt it. Cheated. Yeah, we'll animate <laughs> it exactly. So, all right. But uh, did you guys have any more news that you wanted to cover before we take a break and we talk about uh, Kick Ass? Yeah, let's take a break. All right, we'll take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about uh, Jeff Wadlow's new movie, Kick-Ass 2. Yes. All right. We'll be back. (laughs) But first... Comic reviews. (laughs) It's a cricket. Do you hear that cricket? I hear a cricket. Where is there a cricket? I'm going to find you, cricket. Damn cricket. 
Damn it. I'm recording. All right, so what did you guys think about Rat Queens? Oh, dude. Loved it. Loved it. I mean, I, I didn't know anything about this before you mentioned it, so I, I wasn't a, you know, I wasn't familiar with Cur- Curtis Weib. Um, Curtis Weeb. Weeb, Weeb. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with him or any of his work. Um, I know he's done some image stuff before. Yeah. Um, and this is this is on image, so. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, just, it was funny as hell. It, it's, it, it covers a lot of stuff that I like, you know. Uh, as far as what I read and, you know, comic book wise or just kind of my, you know, what I like fantasy wise or sci-fi wise. It kind of it kind of wraps that up real nicely with this, you know, this group of girls called the Rat Queens. Um, but, yeah, man, fun issue. I I absolutely loved it. I can't wait to see what happens because the storytelling was so good. Like, that's the thing. Like, it, I. If you can make a funny comic, that's cool. But if you can do it in a way where, like, after the last line of the issue, I'm like, what happens next? Then you've, you know, you've really pulled it off. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I cannot wait to read next issue. Like, issue two. I can't either. We're going to have to wait until October to read it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Although, I, I was just stoked to, like, because of, like, all the other characters that are in this that we didn't even get to delve into yet. No. That they like tease. So I mean, there's there's a lot that's going on here that is really intriguing and, and really interesting. So I'm I'm pretty pumped for it as well. See, the thing I want this book to do is awesome as it can because I want it to come out of the gate and just sell out. Because like Curtis has already said, like he would love to do this book for years. If this book does awesome, he'll do it for years and years and years. And that's what I want. Because after this first issue, it's like, I want this to be an ongoing... Like, this, as far as imagination, rivals Saga. Oh, yeah. Which I love Saga. And this Saga is like a space opera. And this is like uh, Dungeons and Dragons meets... I don't... I I can't even explain it. I was going to say the same thing. It's like um, really funny people playing Dungeons and Dragons with all-female characters. Right. it very much feels like that, you know, like a really good uh, dungeon master telling uh, a really funny story. Now, uh, like if you read the synopsis of the book, uh, it says, "Who are the rat? Que- Who are the rat queens? A pack of booze guzzling, death dueling, uh, death dealing battle maidens for hire, and they're in business of killing all God's creatures for profit." It's also a darkly comedic fantasy series starring Hannah, the rockabilly elven mage, violent. The hipster dwarven fighter, D, the atheist human cleric, and Betty, the hippie hobbit thief. Which is awesome. Yeah. She cracked me up. Yeah, yeah Betty was my favorite. Yeah. This absolutely. I don't have a favorite yet. I'm still holding out on that. So um, I know I will eventually. This modern spin on an old school genre is a violent monster killing epic that is like Buffy meets Tank Girl in a Lord of the Rings world on crack. Yeah. Now, yeah. in. In an interview with MTV Geek, uh, Curtis explained each one of the Rat Queens, and I thought this was really cool. Hannah is an elven mage with a rockabilly style, but grew up in a fairly twisted way. Growing up, the daughter of the infamous necromancers is bound to take its toll. Hannah enrolled in Mage University, a venture even her overly protective parents couldn't deny, and learned after a brief time with outsiders that her folks could, quite simply, be the most evil people in the world. (laughs) She's chosen to leave that all behind and forge her own destiny. 
Now, uh, let's see here. D's the healer and comes from a reclusive and fanatic sect of Nyragoth worshippers. She left her family and faith be- behind once she realized how silly it is to make sacrifices to a giant, giant floating squid in the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> sure, she believes that Nyragoth is real, just not a god. So really, D's an atheist cleric. Violet grew up in the upper caste of Dwarven society and, for a long time, was the show model for her father's weapons and armor line. Despite dreams of killing the crap out of monsters with the gear she merely modeled, Violet was stuck in her uppity, boring life. Until one day she had enough. She stole the best weapons and armor from her father, shaved her beard in defiance (laughs) of her cultural cultural custom, and set out to see the world. Now she's rather upset that beard shaving is a growing trend. Since she she started it for meaningful reasons. Yes, Violet's a dwarven hipster. And finally, there's sweet little Betty. That's Jake's favorite character. And didn't you say, Chad, that was your favorite character as well? Yeah, I like her so far too, yeah. Growing up in a Hobbit commune definitely made her an accepting, laid-back lady, but her carefree spirit definitely means her heart is never settled. There's (laughs) got to always be more in the next town, the next city, the next continent. Along the way, she's done her fair share of booze and drugs and somehow landed in the company of the other three. Betty acts as both thief and drink maker for the Rat Queens. <laughs> so that's Curtis's um, you know, explanation of each one of the Rat Queens. I read this book. I had been waiting for this. I, I couldn't wait. So I reached out to Curtis and I said, hey, you know, we're going to talk about this book as one of our upcoming books that's coming out. Um, you know, what can you tell us about this book that our listeners can look forward to? And he went ahead and just sent me the first issue and I was blown away. I got to, we, we all got to read this book. And, um, I mean, the art by rock up church is amazing. Yes. Oh yeah. Love it. Love, love is use. I mean, did he ink this too? I don't know. That's a good question. I okay, mean, but either way, I mean, yeah. This, yeah, God, he has such good like expressions on like the people's faces when they're talking. You really right. believe that they're saying these things and you know experiencing. I love it. He, he's such a good artist. I knew nothing about him before this, so that's also cool. Yeah, shame on us. I mean, this guy. Yeah. I'm gonna definitely be watching. Uh, you know what he's what else he's been uh, what what else he's done in the past and what else he's doing in the future. So, oh yeah. Um, I, I had a lot of fun with this book. I, I mean, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and rate it and give it a Tupperware. I want all of our listeners to go out there and check this book out. Yeah, I would say Tupperware as well. I mean, I I wasn't looking for anything with this book. I mean, it was Brian kind of introduced us to it. I I don't think any of us really knew about it before this. So, um, funny as fuck, and just really cool with like the. It, it is kind of like Lord of the Rings. I mean, if you're into, like, Lord of the Rings and Dungeons and & Dragons and WoW, like, there's guilds and, and there's, there's you know, magic and ruins and all this stuff. And, like, it's all introduced in this one issue and not a way that it sounds stupid. It's just it's just fun. You know, it, it wasn't, like, making fun of it. It was just fun. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give it a Tupperware also. It was just a ton of fun. Um I was upset at Brian for introducing me to this book. I enjoyed it so much because it's just another <laughs> book I'm going to have to add to my pull list. 
So. <laughs> what about what about the Hannah using that necromancer phone? Yeah, um, hilarious. She, she's who who said that she wanted one? I can't remember who that was, but it was D. It was yeah, D. D. D was like, I want one. She's like, it's made from tortured souls. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think, I don't you, think you really want one. <laughs> <laughs> and and Betty, when like she's in charge of the food and all she brings is candy and drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Psychedelic mushrooms and candy. Well, the, the other comment that Betty makes about uh, pushing things in and out of their bodies. Or yeah. Like, uh, yeah. We love doing that as a race. <laughs> Yeah, there was definitely a lot of really humorous things, that, but it wasn't over the top. Like it was just really well played. It was. It yeah. Was- okay, hold on. Here's here's the best line in the book. That last time was actually last night. So actually, I'm not annoyed. I'm really hotter than a dragon getting his dick tickled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and then, but, but Betty's response to that is hilarious. Betty's she- response to that was. So when you said hotter than a dragon getting his dick tickled, did you mean like you're really horny or I mean I'd like I'd get it if dragons don't like getting their dick tickled, but I bet they <laughs> Yeah, she's going through the whole reasoning of this. Right, right. And he's just like shaking his head and shaking his head and he's like um giving them the assignments and on, on what their next mission is. I mean and I won't give it away, but the ending to this first comic, like the the last like yeah. couple pages, is classic. This is just awesome. I love it. I love how <laughs> I was not expecting a ninja in this. No. Oh no. my gosh! There's a ninja in this story. I mean, uh, it's got a little bit of everything, man. It's got four Daves in it. Yeah. Who knew? One of the Daves yeah. has bluebeard bluebirds in his ear and his uh, beard. His beard. Yeah. And he's like, hey, don't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> don't <laughs> touch it. <laughs> right. There's a lot of beard references in this. <laughs> yeah, yep. the ending was awesome. What, was that a short story after, or was that supposed to be? That's like, a short. Continue? Yes, like if you yeah. go to Curtis Weeb's blog, um, he's got a bunch of those little short stories afterwards. Okay. That was hilarious yes. because. I'm reading it and I'm like thinking something totally different. Me too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the punchline, man. Fuck. Yeah. No. Um. <laughs> I, later on, I'll send you guys the link to Curtis's uh, um, blog, and he's got a bunch of them. Um. He's got you know that one was Hannah's. Uh. You've got D's and Betty's. Uh. You know. Um. And then uh, each one of them has their own little story. Um, but man, this book, I gave it a Tupperware. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Play the Tupperware party soundbite. Oh. Yeah, did we just Tupperware party this? Yeah. Totally Tupperware oh, party. Oh shit. Tupperware parties. Oh shit. Oh no. Tupperware parties. Yeah. So definitely a Tupperware party. <laughs> definitely check it out. Um, yeah, Rat Queens by Curtis Weave and uh, art uh, by Rock Up Church. Curtis Weave is just killing it. I mean, he's doing Peter Pan's Faust, which is basically a retelling of uh, the story of Peter Pan uh, in World War II. Yeah, um, you know, and that that is actually getting a uh, motion comic uh, adaptation, and it's going to be voiced by um, Elijah Wood and uh, Ron Perlman. I mean. Uh, wow. That's that's amazing in itself. So yeah. Curtis Weave, I see good things in his future. And also they're talking about uh, that Peter Panzerfaust uh, book becoming a BBC television show, if that means anything. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. 
So um, Rat Queens is one of those books, like, I'm definitely going to be picking up every issue. I'm, I'm, it's captivated my imagination, uh, and I believe it's going to captivate a lot of people's imagination. Definitely pick this book up. It comes out September 25th. Put this on your pull list. Talk to your local comic shop. Add Rat Queens. You will not be disappointed. We do not want to tell people to pick up books that's, uh, that, that we know how much your dollar means to you. Yeah. Anything that we tell you to pick up, we're, we're not just telling you to throw away your money. To put your money into this, we mean that this is a book. Um, I can't wait to number two. Yeah, I mean, totally. I'm, I'm just itching to hear what else goes on with these characters. They, he set up so much in very, really cool, subtle ways, and uh, like it didn't need a ton of storytelling. You know, sometimes you read these stories and you're like, man, that's too much dialogue. Um, but he pretty much laid it all out as to far as how this is starting and where it's happening. So yeah. I really like that. And, and these characters are so great. So I want to see where it goes. And the writing is just so witty and, you know, fast paced, just humorous and, and then just crazy situations. And, uh, and all the fantasy you could want is in there. So it's, it's really cool. fun. You don't know what you're going to see next. I mean, one minute you're just thinking it's going to be this, you know, kind of like, 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 like Lord of the Rings, World of Warcraft. And the next thing you've got, a, you've got, yeah, you've got a ninja in there. And then yeah. all of a sudden you've got this huge ogre slash troll character. What's funny about the, the ninja, too, is like when Hannah sees the ninja, she's just like... Oh, this is like, you know, worst assassin ever or whatever, you know, like it's just she totally mocks the fact. I, I, right. I thought that was funny, too, that they're making fun of their own. It's like self-deprecating in a way. They're like making fun of their own villains within the comics. So right. I, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. So, anyways, good stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. definitely check it out. Uh, Rat Queens by Curtis Weeb comes out September 25th by Image Comics. It's part of their shadow line. Uh, Sweet. Absolutely. So check it out. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. We're back, and we're going to talk about uh, Kick Ass 2. That was the uh, big release uh, this weekend. Um, let's see here. All right. Let me go over a little bit of the storyline. Uh, here's the synopsis. After kick-ass, insane bravery inspires a new wave of self-made mass crusaders led by the badass Colonel Stars and Stripes, our hero joins them on patrol. When these amateur superheroes are hunted down by Red Mist, reborn as the motherfucker, only the blade-wielding hit girl can prevent their annihilation. When we last saw Junior Assassin Hit Girl and Young Vigilante Kick-Ass, they were trying to live as normal teenagers, Mindy and Dave. With graduation looming and uncertain what to do, Dave decides to start the world's first superhero team with Mindy. Unfortunately, when Mindy is busted for sneaking out as Hit Girl, she's forced to retire, leaving her to navigate the terrifying world of high school, Mean Girls on her own. With no one left to turn to, Dave joins forces with Justice Forever, run by a born-again ex mobster named Colonel Stars and Stripes. Just as they start to make a real difference on the streets, the world's first supervillain, the motherfucker, assembles his team. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I never get tired of calling the villain the motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I could call him the motherfucker all day. I love having an explicit podcast. You yes. know, we're able to say things like that. <laughs> and in and in this in this uh setting I can say it and nobody can say that I'm using it uh in a derogatory way. It's totally derogatory. <laughs> oh, wait, never mind. Fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> All, All the right. moms that listen to our podcast are gonna be very offended. Well my mom does and she is offended. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to have your mom on the show sometime, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, uh, the uh, director uh, for uh, for Kickass Two is uh, Jeff Wadlow, who they're also talking about him uh, directing and writing for the X Force film. Um, yes. Uh, writers for the this film, Jeff Wadlow again, uh, screenplay, and of course Mark Millar. He did the comic book um, with uh, John uh, Romita Jr., who interestingly enough has actually kind of um, confirmed through the uh, interweb that he might start uh, doing books uh independently or even for dc yeah yay get away from marvel <laughs> well it's pretty big news because he's been marvel forever. oh yeah that's all he's ever done so uh uh yeah that'll be interesting i i you know i really liked what he did with captain america i hated the story this last series that, it, that they did for captain america um the story was horrible but the art i love his artwork i love the stylized artwork and some people hate it i have people like uh you know the uh kick-ass three or something just came out yeah. in comics so we got that at the store and people are like i just think he's kind of gross you know the way his art looks but i really like his stuff so it would be interesting to see him do some other things besides marvel characters uh, i like his art when it comes to like things like independent stuff like the kick-ass stuff you know but when it comes to like drawing like captain america and superheroes i'm not too much into it just like i'm kind of hit and miss with grant morrison writing for superheroes sometimes right. i love it sometimes i hate it so um yeah i don't know i mean but uh yeah i'd like to see him i'd like to see him do some independent stuff personally yeah so um, let's go over the cast. Aaron Taylor Johnson, who's also going to be Quicksilver in uh, the Avengers, um, not to be confused with uh, what was it, uh, Evan Peters, who's going to be Quicksilver in Days of Future Past. Right. Uh, he plays Dave uh, Lazuski, who's Kickass. Uh, Chloe Grace Moritz. Uh, she was Mindy uh, McCready as Hit Girl. Uh, Morris Chestnut. Um, I, guys, it's been a while since I watched the first Kick-Ass film. Was he in the first Kick-Ass? Yeah. Yes. He was? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, I love Morris Chestnut. Um, I remember watching him in V and really enjoying him. And then he's also been a newer character on... Uh, there's, a new, there's a show... Oh, he was on uh, American Horror Story. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, yeah. That's the right. first season. Um, yep. Yeah, I like Morris Chestnut. Um, was it, wasn't he in Buffy? He may have been. I, I, I didn't watch Buffy. I'm not a Buffy guy. Me either. Um, <laughs> Morris Chestnut, he did start some rumors that he was interested in playing ba- uh, Black Panther, though. And those yes. those got uh, shot down. But, yeah, he'd be an interesting choice. Um, Claudia Lee, she played Brooke. Um, I'm trying to think here. You've, uh, you've got uh, Augustus Prue. He played uh, Ass Kicker. <laughs> yeah, I love Ass Kicker. Uh, <laughs> I was a, uh, I was shocked to see uh, John Leguizamo in something. Yeah, yes. me too. Where he the, was great. He was good. Yeah, yeah, he was good. He was good. 
Uh, we are going to have spoilers throughout this conversation of Kick-Ass 2, so if uh, you don't want to hear any spoilers, you might want to turn off the podcast. No, uh, I guess I'll have to get off here then. All right, see you, Chad. All right, All right Chad. Bye. It's been good All talking right. to you, though. <laughs> Chad Michaels Project. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Donald Faison was Dr. Gravity. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Actually. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> I like and him. we had Jim Carrey as uh, Colonel uh, Stars and Stripes. So uh, let's get into the movie. Um, let's uh, start off with our ratings. Who wants to start first? I'll go ahead. Go ahead. Um, this is a, get, this j- just in case because like a lot of people get our voices confused and don't know who's talking. <laughs> this is Jason Piper. Yes, your review of Kickass Two. Oh, let me just read it. Should Should I go over the rating system for people that haven't Do listened? Yes, some people don't know. All right. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, Jay. So you watched Kick-Ass 2 yesterday, I believe? Yeah, I saw it yesterday. Yeah. and I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I, I give it a Tupperware. Um, I loved it. I, I, I don't know if it was better than the first one. I mean, I liked the first one because uh, just because it was kind of a different take and it was more kind of kick-ass centered. This one's kind of kick-ass and, and an expanded universe, basically, which I love. I love that part of it. I love how much it was like reading a comic book. Um, throughout a lot of the movie, and I and I know a lot of critics didn't understand that, and they also didn't understand the the whole concept of Kick Ass. I mean, it's called Kick Ass. Um, these are real people; they're going to talk like real people, and yeah, they cuss a lot. So, I mean, there was a lot of complaints about that kind of stuff. And it's like, did you see the first one? Did you read the comic book? What don't you understand about this? But anyway, it was it had everything. Like for me, it had drama, it had comedy. There, there was a lot of moments where I kind of was like, oh, geez, like there was never a moment where I didn't like or I didn't care about the characters where something would happen. I'd be like, holy shit. And that's mixed in with like all this great comedic beats and moments. So, yeah, uh, Tupperware, I mean, we'll talk more about this as we go on here, but that's my rating. Okay. All right. Who wants to go next? Uh, I'll go next. Cool. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give it a taste it. Um. I- it was good. I thought it was a lot more faithful to the comic book than the first movie was. Um, the first movie was kind of a toss-it for me. I never could get over the fact that they uh, made such a hero out of the Big Daddy character, and the movie was never willing to reveal that he wasn't really that great of a guy where the comic book went. You know, he, he was never really an ex-cop after all, and he was just an accountant who left his wife and was just living out his childhood superhero fantasies with his daughter. He was kind of not a good guy. And, you know, in the first movie, they heroify him, and when he dies, you're supposed to be sad, and it's kind of the opposite in the comic. And I thought this movie did a lot better job adapting the comic series a lot more faithfully. Not, not that I need that to enjoy the movie, you know, not to get nitpicky about it, but it felt truer to kick-ass it felt more like a kick-ass movie than the last movie did to me um i thought it was very funny i thought all the stuff with uh, hit girl and all the mean girls with all the girls was really funny i didn't expect to like any of that stuff um i thought it was really good 
Okay, so we've got uh, a tough one to taste it. That's okay, good. All right, um, I guess I can go next. I. I had a really, really hard time uh, rating this. Uh, I mean, I think I don't even think I have it settled as of right now. Mm. Um, it's so I'm gonna have to because of that very reason. I'm just gonna give it what I call a strong taste it. Okay. Okay, because it's borderline Tupperware. But I'm going to have to give it a strong taste it just because I don't know. I just can't outright give it a Tupperware. Okay. Uh, but I give it a strong taste it. I really like this movie. Um, uh, the I, Hit Girl, I love that character. I mean, Absolutely. I love Hit Girl. Yeah. Uh, favorite part of the movie. I mean, uh, Kick-Ass takes side stage to her in this film. And, and, in, and in the first one, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah, uh, th- you know, um, she she's fantastic. The whole time I'm thinking to myself, God, I want her in a Star Wars film. Yes. Oh, me too, man. Yes. I want I want her in a Star Wars film. And, and I was also I like Aaron Taylor Johnson. I do like him. And I was thinking to myself, man, I wonder what it would have been like to have him in that role of Peter Parker in the Amazing yeah. in the oh, Amazing yeah. Spider Man. Instead of Andrew Garfield. Nothing against Andrew Garfield. I just think honestly, I think Aaron Taylor Johnson would have done a would have, done, would, would have been a better Peter Parker. I agree. Less hair gel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he has that. He has that nerdy quality about him, but still, you know, he's he's tough. So yeah, right. like that's uh, that's a good call. Um, but uh, I think the action was great. The choreography was amazing. Um, you know, I, I liked. Uh, I liked. Uh, Jim Carrey was not Jim Carrey in this movie. Thank God. No. We saw very little of Jim Carrey in that performance, which Amazing. was which was great. Yeah. Um, there were there was one scene where they were fighting where you saw a little bit of Jim Carrey in there. And, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, but other than that, I think uh, he 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 was uh, he, he controlled that. <laughs> but, Fuck yeah, uh, he did. Yeah, but uh, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I'm going to give it a very strong taste. It, it's definitely something I'll want to watch again. And, and it's uh, you know, in the first movie, I gave the first movie a Tupperware. Unlike uh, unlike Jake, I, I really I loved the first movie. I had a great time with it. It was fun. Um, the second movie, I think the only thing that kind of didn't sit well with me, I guess if I, if I'm going to have to say it is maybe that it was a little gratuitous on the violence, but then again, that's part of this. They, they don't want to make, uh, the violence, um, they don't want to make superheroes look like it's a cool thing to do. Yeah. You know, there, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there's some cool fighting scenes, but you know, if you're a superhero and shit, these actions have re you know uh, consequences right you know um and we'll get into some of those consequences uh, <laughs> later but yeah I, I give it a strong taste it what about you chad yeah i um i'm definitely gonna go with taste it i think um i think there were some things that i really loved about it first of all you know i de- hit girls de- a definite i really enjoy her character in general but i was blown away uh, by jim carrey like i was I expect, I don't know why, but I just kind of expected the Riddler to kind of pop back out. I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, was like, I wasn't for sure. Right. And then, man, I, I, I feel like he, he knocked it out of the park. And like when, you know, when you get to, well, I guess we can jump into that later. But, you know, like his, his character, I really liked it. Um, you know, I felt like at, towards the, I don't know, like the first half an hour of things, I felt like there was a lot of buildup. There was a lot of story to tell and. And so, but once it, once the action really kicked in, 
um, it was great. And I, I actually, I didn't mind the, the, just the raw violence that was in the movie. Cause I thought it, it sat well with like what they were trying to represent. You know, at one point hit girls trying to tell kick ass that, you know, people are going to die tonight. You need to be prepared for that. You know? And, and I, I was just, you know, that was just kind of her character that was in, you know, the first kick ass and it just, you know, uh, helped to kind of solidify her character in general, which is ironic cause she's the youngest out of all of them. But uh, but anyways, I thought it was a great movie. I felt like there was some parts where it's just kind of like I don't know. For me, the whole Mean Girls thing it, it kind of ran its course a little too long, in my opinion. But uh, um, you know, I would definitely give it a taste. It I think it's worth watching. Um, you know, I think for some people it'll be too much, and um, or and and in some other cases it might be a little hokey with uh, with the villain. So I think those two things might kind of detract from it a little bit for some people. Um, but overall I really enjoyed it. Um, just almost, I, I, I'm kind of torn too. I, I don't know. This might be one sequel that actually tops the, uh, the original. So in my opinion, but yeah, that's what I think. Good. Okay. So yeah, three tastes. It's in a Tupperware. So we liked the movie. I mean, absolutely. We, yeah. we did like it, which is cool. Uh, I forgot to mention, uh, what's his name? Christopher Mintz Plass. He was yes. the, the villain. He was the motherfucker. So, yeah, right. once again, Christopher Mintz-Platz was the motherfucker. <laughs> Christamico. Christamico. Christamico, the motherfucker. Um, <laughs> the motherfucker. <laughs> For obvious reasons. So, let's, let's talk about uh, different parts in the movie that, you know, that we did like. Um, uh, you know, there, did you guys like the fact, like, okay... You know, you got Hit Girl, she's living with Morris Chestnut now, and uh, he's, he's kind of like her father figure. Uh, did you like the fact that, you know, of course it makes sense, he doesn't want her to be Hit Girl. Right. But that was a big part of the story, like her, him, like, trying to keep her from being, you know, Hit Girl, this, which is a big part of her. I mean, yeah. whenever she thinks about herself in her own mind, she envisions herself dressed in the hit girl co- uh, outfit. There's many times with, with the, throughout the movie she looks in a mirror and sees herself as hit girl. Right. Um, so that was a big focal point of the movie is like him keeping wanting to keep her safe and keep her from being hit girl and just wanting her to be a regular teenager um, and go to high school and things like that. But, you know, she keeps she's drawn to being hit girl and to be the superhero. That, and uh, uh, what did you guys think about that um, as being like a big focal point of this movie? I, I really enjoyed that arc. I think it came to a natural conclusion with, you know, him realizing that she was Hit Girl. There was nothing he could do to change that. And I, I enjoyed that story arc. What I liked about it is when it got towards the end, he comes to the realization that she's making this choice because because that is who she is. And what I was concerned about is as it got towards the end, there was going to be a lot of like, there's still going to be this animosity there. You know what I mean? Right. And I felt like they bridged it very well. Like he was trying to be the good father. He was trying to be the good uh, example and try to lead her away from that. But in the end, he realized that's just who she is. And, and so I felt like they handed that off really well as opposed to still having like them butting heads or something. Yeah, I mean, I I I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, it, it was kind of a subplot. I mean, there was basically three different stories being told in this movie. Which again, I mean, that that takes a lot of good writing, and and I think they did a great job of that. But 
that yeah that whole the the whole relationship between Mindy and Marcus was uh, they talked a lot about uh, you have to fit in like fitting in is going to make your life better what you're doing now is you know going to hurt you and this isn't what your father wanted and all that stuff but I like the idea of that they were trying to say that fitting in isn't necessarily for everybody or it's not necessarily the best thing for society to just fit in all the time. Right. Um, and, and I started thinking about that just in terms of like our, our heroes in literature or, you know, the musicians that are great, the writers that are great. It's like the, the whole movie you're rooting for her almost to become hit girl again, because you feel like this really isn't her and fitting in is not going to help her. It's, it's, it's a detriment because when she's hit girl, she's being herself. And that was another cool aspect of kick-ass in general is that when you put the mask on, is that really who you are? Is that an expression of you more than what you wear, like like your clo- like the clothes you wear or what you listen to? Is that more of uh, an expression? Well, and well, and that was, I, I think – go ahead, Chad. I, I was going to say I loved the quote when her, they're at the high school and Dave is talking to her and he, and he tells her, look, this is your mask right now. Right. You, this is your mask. Right. You're yourself when you're a hit girl. And I, I was, you know, and of course, that's like, what, three quarters of the way through the movie or whatever. But I really felt like that was like, that was awesome. Again, they, they bridged her character very well throughout all of that. And, I, and each, then, each tangent had just a really subtle way of transitioning back and forth to really show the struggle that she was trying to have with, you know, trying to be the good daughter to, to Marcus. Right. But then at the same time, still still trying to find who she really is. So I thought that I thought it was awesome. Well, and then Kickass even told her at one point he's like, "Hey, this is this is just high school." Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. The, the, yeah. there's a real world out there. But don't you think like Morris Chestnut uh his, his character his name was Marcus, correct? Yes. Yes. Don't you think he should have at least like tried to encourage her a little bit and been like, "Hey, instead of you being this vigilante, Maybe you should look into, like, uh, law enforcement or something like that, you know? I mean, yeah. at least you would have been able to, like, take all these talents of hers and apply it somewhere positive as opposed to, like, um, no, I don't want you to do this at all. I just want you to start being a Disney princess and wearing makeup and going to you right. know, going to homecoming games and all that bullshit. No. Yeah, he didn't it, take her to martial arts. He took her to the freaking whatever her name was, the, uh, you know, the, the freaking – prom queen-esque right. type personality. Right. Brooke, yeah. Exactly. And that, Brooke, that's yeah. a really good point about she's herself when she's hit girl. Even when she was trying to be someone else, like the cheerleader, to accomplish that, she still had to be hit girl. Yeah, To you're be right. able to do her audition, she still had to be hit girl at the end of the day to even make it in that atmosphere, you know? So at the beginning of the movie, like, she's hiding the fact that she is still fucking hit girl and shit. And yeah. she's, like, skipping classes and she's... And, she, and I'm sorry, this dog will not lay down. <laughs> All you hear is clickety clack. I'm I'm dog sitting my sister's dog right now, uh, my sister b- boyfriend dog, and this dog will just it's just doing circles like it's jaws in the water. <laughs> Libby, Da-na. lay down. Da-na. It's, it's a sharknado. I've got like a head coming up in between my legs. Yeah, and not. Definitely not a head I want to see in between my legs. <laughs> but okay, where was I? Um, oh, uh, she's hiding the fact that she is uh, that she's hit girl, but she's still god damn it, lay down. Uh, but she's still hit girl, and uh, there's that scene where um, you know she uh, it's the training scene. It's part of Kickass's training. He 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 wears uh, he's dresses up as the white pimp. 
Right, right. And, I love that scene. Yeah, it's a great scene. So she puts him in basically like this pimp outfit, and he's like, he's, you know, donning like these uh, rings, and he's got like a hat on, a pimp hat on, he's got like a pimp fur coat on, and and uh, this horrible te- horrible shirt. And uh, so he's walking around, and, you know, he looks like he might have some money on him or something like that. And so these guys follow him into an alley. There's four guys that follow him into an alley, and this is part of his training. And she's talking to him through a Bluetooth and uh, giving him instructions on what to do and what to say and, and stuff like that. And there's one part where it's like she's actually basically telling him to taunt them and shit. Right. <laughs> and Which so, so, yeah, exactly. So, like, they start kicking, you know, he starts kicking their ass. And then all of a sudden he starts getting his ass kicked, to which you know she comes and, and saves the day and, and kicks their asses, um, right. which is which is an awesome scene. Um, she even gives one guy a chance to get out of there uh, and, and not lose his uh, hand, and, and he goes for his knife or gun. Oh, I and love the, that too, man. Yeah, she Again, takes. I loved his, the violence in it. Yeah, she takes his hand clean off. <laughs> she and, told him. She told him. She, she warned him. Right. Right. What was that? What was the punchline that she gave at the end? Oh shit! She was like, "Yeah, I was. I was trying that." Pants out. on fire. Pants yeah, on fire. Yeah. 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 Pants on fire. Yeah, because he lied about not going for the gun and. Yeah. Uh, she said pants on fire and she's like hey how did that sound i tried that out you know blah 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 so anyway she gets so now like the the police you know they're aware of this whole you know fight that went down she takes off and of course you know morris chestnut marcus uh her guardian he hears this on like the uh you know the police radio scan and and so he he's thinking she's involved yeah immediately he's thinking she's involved and so like she starts. She gets on her motorcycle and she's trying to fly home because he's like, "Oh, I'll meet you at home." And and uh, did that scene remind you of when Ferris Bueller is running yes. home? Yes. It, yes. Absolutely. Somebody totally. needs to take that scene and play the Ferris Bueller music from that scene <laughs> where he's running in between the yards and <laughs> and stuff like that. Somebody needs to do that on the internet because that would oh, be hilarious. Yeah. It was there was a lot of '80s kind of film moments in this, but yeah, that was definitely one where I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, yeah. Ferris Bueller." <laughs> right. Can I yeah. say how much I really loved Hit Girl's motorcycle? Is it the Hit Cycle or? Yeah, I, I thought so. that was a great addition to it. And how did yeah. they ever come up with that name for the for the Hit Cycle? Yeah, it was. I'm being sarcastic, guys. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I, I that totally reminded me of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That one scene there, I thought that oh, was yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so you know, uh, of course, she gets busted by Morris Chestnut. He tells her, you know, um, you know, I don't want you to be Hit Girl anymore, and blah 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 blah. So she agrees to not be Hit Girl. So she tells Kick Ass that, uh, you know, I can't be part of this team anymore. I can't train you anymore. Blah blah blah. And uh, he goes out and he starts looking for his new team. And then he meets Dr. Gravity, who I love Dr. Gravity. <laughs> he was awesome. Yeah. Awesome. He was awesome. Yeah. So and, that- and, and basically what was happening was that Kick-Ass inspired all these others, you know, people to dress up and take to the streets. So he found this guy on the Internet and he was basically like, yeah, I thought your costume looked pretty cool. So Right. <laughs> have have any of you watched that documentary about the superheroes that the real superheroes that uh that are out there? Have any of you I seen ha- that? I have seen that. Did any of these characters in this oh, movie yeah. remind yeah. you of those characters from that documentary? The parents with the the kids on their t-shirts. Yeah. Rob yeah. Rob's parents, yeah. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah, there was a there was quite a few of them that reminded me of different uh, uh, you know superheroes that we actually saw in that real documentary. I can't remember what that documentary was called. I've seen it a couple times actually. Yeah, I mean there are actual superhero groups out there in yeah. like New York and Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, they're all over the country. That. Yeah. It's all humanitarian stuff, and yeah. Um, yeah, you know, just trying to help out any way they can. I, I like it. I really like that stuff. So, um, let's see here. So, um, yeah, Doctor Gravity introduces them to Colonel Stars and Stripes, mm-hmm. and uh, winner. I, I I don't know. Once again, I'm going to say it again. I mean, I liked Nicolas Cage in the first one. Actually, I mean, oh yeah, yeah. It, it was, it, and he's usually an actor that when I watch him in other films, I can't stand him. He drives me crazy. <laughs> and um, as you can tell from our uh, <laughs> that my my Nicolas Cage medley at the beginning of uh, I think was it our Wolverine episode? Yeah. Yes. Um, but you know, I mean, this movie did a great job of kind of like uh, you know uh, taming. You know the Jim Carrey out of Jim Carrey, and he actually played a character instead of playing him himself, being wacky. Absolutely. So I th- yeah. I really enjoyed the character of uh, Colonel Stars and Stripes. He's kind of like yeah, he was like an ex mobster turned like you know Christian. He didn't like cussing, and uh, but at the same time he could kick ass. Yeah, he so. that I I would say that was his best performance. I I was totally blown away because I was expecting the Riddler too, or just something there where, where you're just like yeah, that's Jim Carrey. Right, right, but, exactly. Something way out of out of line. Yeah, yeah, but in this he he kind of plays like a older mentor role, and he was I took him seriously, and and I love the whole hey you know whenever somebody would cuss he'd call him out on it, and he he didn't carry a loaded gun, you know that kind of stuff where it's like. Right. He is a symbol, kind of, as what you should be doing as yeah. a hero. So. Yeah, I like that, too. Yeah, real cool, great performance, though. Yeah. It's ironic, the one performance of Jim Carrey's we like is the, the one he's, you know, not even accepting of. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, like, I like his other performances. I liked him in Man on, the, Man on the Moon. I enjoyed yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm a big Truman Show fan, too. There you go, yeah, me too. I'm a huge Truman. But but this is the first time that I can think of where it was like, okay, that you don't think that that's Jim Carrey, or you don't, you know, that's not on the forefront of your mind. You're just getting into his character. So that's right. kind of the first time I can remember that's He's happened. not trying to be his, his slapstick Jim Carrey self that we yeah. see in the other films. Right. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. It was refreshing. I, so I love that scene where he's like, "Well, I thought we'd just knock," you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I wish you would just own this this part, you know, and just yeah. be, you know, instead of uh, instead of like he, basically, if you hadn't heard, like Jim Carrey actually came out and said, you know, because of the things that happened at Sandy Hook and stuff like that, that he doesn't condone the violence in this movie. Right. But you know, I mean, there's, I mean, there's violence and everything out there. I mean, you read the Bible. The Bible is one of the most violent books ever. Um, I honestly didn't think this was that over the top that he would be making those kind of statements. No, not at all. I was waiting for it. I was like, okay, where's the scene that he has a problem with? But yeah, I mean, like you said, man, we have war after war after war. We we are a violent people. All yeah. right, this is an expression of that. It's not causing it. And I don't so, think it was trying to glamorize violence. No, not no, at all. No, not at all. It was never uh, the point of humor by even, any means. There was a even though of- Hit Girl looks pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there were a lot of scenes where people are getting their ass kicked, 
And you're just like, I would, I think twice about doing something like this. You yeah, know? Or, I'm going to get to one big spoiler here real quick. Uh, hit, you know, <laughs> kick ass is, uh, I mean, if, if anything's going to deter you from violence, it's the, uh, you know, your loved ones being affected and, and kick ass's dad gets killed in this movie. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a real fucking, you know, I mean, you put yourself out there and the villains find out about, you know, family members. I mean, this, you know, a lot of times what happens is like these characters are created by, you know, a fam like a family member or a loved one dying. You know, that's yeah. that's how Batman came to be. You know, uh, Kick-Ass, his father was killed because he was Kick-Ass. Right. You know, that it's totally it's a flip, you know. And so, uh, you know, there's serious things that can happen when you're when you're I guess when you're a superhero in this type of a movie with, that tries to take more of a. I don't know, more, more, I guess more of a realistic take on superheroes. So do yeah. you think, like, if he, uh, if they do another installment of this, like... Uh, and they could, because isn't Kick-Ass 3 being uh, published right now? Yeah, it's the final of the trilogy, apparently. Yeah. There was a Hit-Girl miniseries that came out, too. Yeah. I would love to... I, I don't know, I think she could hold her own, actually, but I don't want to see, like, another... Uh, oh, what the hell was that? Um, it was... Just lost my train of thought. Daredevil's love interest. Uh, Electra. Electra. Yeah, I don't want to see another Electra movie, but like Hit Girl could totally have, especially now with the way Kick Ass Two ended, a pretty cool yeah. story on her own. But I mean, I think Kick Ass could be uh, really dark now. You know, I mean, he's he's kind of seen both sides of the the table, and he's kind of gone through his his ropes. And I, I don't know. I think it could be a real interesting story if it could get darker than what it has. I guess. Yeah. But, what, it uh, definitely does. Yeah. What did you yeah. guys think about? Uh, okay, so you know you've got Christopher Mintz Plass coming back as, and now he's like the motherfucker, and he's like dressed in like fucking S <laughs> and M gear and shit. <laughs> and uh, you know he's he's hell bent on killing Kick Ass. That's the whole fucking movie. He's hell bent on killing Kick Ass, and he uses uh, he, he kills his mother while she's in the tanning bed. <laughs> and uh, gets all this money, and he starts to hire all these fucking uh, supervillains, like these MMA fighters and all these people that have that possess, you know, these fighting skills. And he starts, he pays them to be his, like, you know, villains, uh, his crew. And uh, I think the 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 one that I was most impressed by that he had hired was Mother Russia. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Anybody who stacks a lawnmower on top of a police car with the intent to kill is pretty impressive in my book. So. I, honestly, I just thought it was Bridget Nielsen and just woke up and she was pissed off. I, I thought it kind of looked like Kurt Russell, actually, like a really buff Kurt Russell. Uh, yeah, it did, actually. <laughs> that, uh, that scene when uh, Mother Russia takes out the five cop cars reminded me of uh, when I played Grand Theft Auto and get bored. Did you, guys yeah, notice exactly. the, did you guys notice the music they were playing in the background was the Tetris theme song? Oh, nice! No way! Yeah, she's Russian, and they they the whole, they were playing like a uh, kind of like a electric guitar version of the Tetris theme music. Oh shit! That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I, I enjoyed that. She was a fun character, um, and of course, we had that uh, climactic fight between her and Hit Girl at the end of the movie, which was really awesome. Watching that was a, awesome. Yeah, watching a fifteen-year-old girl take on this fucking superhuman Behemoth. Russian woman. God. <laughs> well, I was just glad to see her actually have to go like really struggle with that fight. Like it was, it was a good battle. 
Yeah, I mean, she really didn't get to take on anybody else that entire fight except for that one dude that came at her with the mask, yeah. thinking he was like part of the uh, fucking like Slipknot or some shit. And then <laughs> she killed him, and she like fucking ripped out his eyeball and killed him. And then, right. then the whole Mother Russia fight start uh, fight started, and that was yeah, that was awesome, dude. That whole fight was awesome, and uh, I knew there was going to be a twist with like the uh, with the uh, the syringe. The last resort. Yeah, the oh, last yeah. resort. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> so, yeah, the fight, the fight scenes were awesome. And yeah, I think it was well paced between the drama and 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 then you know <clears throat> the hit girl stuff. I loved her side story. I really liked that. Um, just her dealing with like what it's like in high school and kind of like learning to set an example, like with like the cheerleading thing that they did, where you know you have the uh, you have Brooke, who's kind of her nemesis at school, uh, doing this kind of slutty dance in front of the whole cheerleading squad. Right, and, and she's the she's the captain, I believe, also. So she's putting on this demonstration, and then uh, uh, Mindy gets called up, and she basically just reenacts what it would be like if she's fighting four ninjas. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that to me was awesome too, because it's like. It shows that she's trying to put the or the writers of this were trying to put the example forth that it, you don't have to be like Brooke and and when you saw Minnie's performance it was like inspiring and awesome and especially for like girls who were watching that you know I would think that they'd be like holy shit that's awesome yeah. you know there are some believable like uh, female uh, actresses in these movies that like seriously kick ass and she's one of them. Um, you know, yeah, like, uh, you know, I, uh, under the direction of Quentin Tarantino, those Kill Bill movies, those women were fucking amazing. All of them. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, this movie, Jeff Ladlow did a great job with uh, directing, uh, you know, Chloe Grace. Um, uh, was it Moritz? Chloe Grace Moritz? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, uh, he, he did a great job with her. And, and I think they did a great job with her in the first movie. Um, I remember after that movie came out, um, you know, I'm sure there were big fans of the comic book, but you know, going to Chicago Comic Con, I can't tell you how many Hit Girl cosplay I saw up at Chicago awesome. Comic Con, oh, and I got my picture. My girlfriend got her picture taken with I think you know a couple Hit Girls that year. It, it was really cool to see all the uh, all the Hit Girl fans, and and uh, she she is awesome, you know. And I love the Robin line from the trailer. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I need my Robin. <laughs> Can I talk about my favorite Hit Girl sequence? Yes. Um, right after the funeral, the uh, yes, when she was on oh. top. That's yes. my favorite part of the whole movie. Me too. Me too. When when oh. she's hanging from that door, exactly. Unbelievable. That whole sequence. I love car chase sequences anyway. Yeah. And that one was just over the top good. Over the top good. It was fantastic. I, I loved it. Um, it was fun to watch her like ride that guy like a surfboard on the on, <laughs> oh, on yeah. the pave yeah, on the on the highway. Um, just Such a lot of fun. Action. Yeah. yeah. It was filmed so well. It wasn't the camera was never too close, and you're like, hey, what the fuck is even going on here? You know, you saw every move, and any time yes. a body fell out of the vehicle, you saw the destruction it caused, and. Jake, that's such a that's a great point, man. Because there's so many action films like where they zoom in and you see all this fast motion, but you don't really get to see what they're doing. Yeah. And oh man, every action scene in this whole movie was just great. Like you saw it; it was vivid, and it was there, and it was real, and it was just, it was exciting. And it was yeah. I hate when I can't tell what's going on in an action movie. <clears throat> oh, man of Steel. 
<laughs> no, no, trans- no, no, Transformers. No, no. <laughs> the Jason Bourne series is like very well known for that, in my opinion. Like when you want to look at like a fighting scene where you can't really see what's going on, and they're seeing like you know. And I love the Bourne series, but like the fighting sequences kind of suck sometimes because they zoom in so much, you just can't actually accept yeah, just, what's going on. You see an elbow, you see it connect to some leather. It's like what right. the fuck even just happened. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean you could basically you could watch a Steven Seagal movie or a Bourne movie. Yeah. And yeah, cuz it's pretty much the same finishing moves. Right. Yeah. And with with Hit Girl, seriously, the finishing move, you just don't know. Like you, you don't know <laughs> what she's going to do next. And like riding the guy. Well, they make it know, believable like, that a fifteen-year-old girl is kicking their asses, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, so well, those, oh I mean, definitely. Climbing on top of that guy and just riding him was just—I was just like, "Are oh. you talking about this movie, or are you talking about a movie that you watched in your bedroom by yourself?" <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that too. But no, like where she's like, he's like, his knees are dragging on the ground. You see the smoke like starting to roll. It was just like, yeah. To me. But anyway. I don't know, man. It was a great scene. It was a great scene. That was one of the best uh, action sequences uh, in a movie that I've seen in a long time. Agreed. One of the best car chase sequences in a long time. Yeah, agreed. Oh, and when she's rolling around on the top of the van with had the camera down over it and the bullet holes are flying out from the top. Yeah. You, you could see I mean? like the spark coming yeah. out from the, from the yeah, top of the van. That was so cool. Yeah, yeah. It was it was cool. That was a good scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Now we're just yes. now we're just gonna reminisce about that scene. Uh. <laughs> um, so um, I don't know. I mean, what, was there any other parts of the movie that you guys really wanted to talk about? Um, I, I mean, Christopher Mintz Plast, did he really do it for you? This film, he was funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked him. He, you could tell he was kind of off his rocker, you know. Yeah, and that's that's what he is in the book. He was so. just hell bent on killing Kickass. That was the whole thing, and I don't, you know what I mean. He wasn't he wasn't thinking rationally, and I think I think uh, to an extent, I, I think he figured out that he was going to get his ass kicked if he took on anybody in a fight. So that's why <laughs> yeah. he started to hire people to fight for him. But uh, um, you know, I, I like I, I liked it. I liked it. I thought he was okay. Um, the whole, the whole end scene where they, uh, it was the, the good guys versus the bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The showdown. And yeah. And then you knew that shark was going to come into play somewhere. Oh yeah. Exactly. So, (laughs) um, something that Jay kind of briefly brought up, I really enjoyed how much like a comic book this movie felt at times where Anytime there were subtitles, it yeah. was told in, like, word balloons. Yes. Oh, yeah. Or, like, I, the text that messages really that they sent each other, they actually yeah. looked like yeah, a text message from, like, it. a smartphone or something. Yeah, I thought that that was a really nice addition. I really liked that. Yeah, right. it really felt like a comic book movie, <clears throat> you know, and it wasn't trying to be something it wasn't. And that that's what a lot of critics have a problem with from, from what I'm reading is that, you know, it wasn't what they were wanting from a kick-ass film, but it's like... This this is a comic book that's kind of making fun of the genre, so um, <laughs> it's not probably not going to be what you think it should be. Right. Um, but yeah, I the, the other thing I loved is that they're still exploring, you know, the whole concept of is this the right thing to do to dress up in a mask? Because you know, it, is this the idea of what justice should be? And and then at the other hand, you have escalation from villains who are like, well, I'm going to do the same thing you're doing. So. I, I love that they're still exploring that question because it is—it's a tough question, and it makes you think. You know, is this 
you know, if we really started doing this kind of stuff, which is crazy, I admit, but I'm just saying on this fictional basis, if we started doing this kind of stuff, would it make the world better or not? And they explore that with like the parents and the guardians and, you know, the, these are just kids with these ideas. And so they're, you know, they're expressing that as well throughout uh, one and two. And also the, the, the parent and child dynamic, you know, um, here you have the motherfucker killing his, or both of his parents are dead. One he did by, you know, he did himself, but it was an accident. So you, you have this idea of, well, is his vengeance justified? I mean, I know it's like a, it's, it's a tongue-in-cheek movie, but those questions are still there, and I love that about this because you don't see that in, like, you know, a lot of superhero movies. So that's, that's cool. I, I really like that. Like with Batman, you know, he could have explored that more too, and they kind of did, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, I mean, they ventured into that on the after at the end of the first uh, Dark Knights right. know, series. With there's always escalation, and you know, uh, you know, you wear a mask, and now there's this guy, you know, and it was the it was like the lead in to the Joker. But right, right. I, I think they they did definitely kind of you know just have that debate within the movie itself, and I think they did a good job of at the end of it, really still trying to leave it up to the viewer, like what they would. Yeah. what they thought and i, I thought that was up, yeah. yeah exactly they didn't like come to a conclusion they left it open i thought that was really cool about it yeah i liked so. the edition a lot too but i don't know I, if i can just throw this in there like the the scene with the colonel man when when he's uh going toe-to-toe uh with the russian mother russia like i i was just fight i was i don't know i assumed what was going to happen you know but Oh man, like I didn't want him to die. I was really yeah. bummed by that. Same here, man. Because yeah. I was, and part of it was that I was just so impressed with Jim Carrey, uh, Jim Carrey's character. Yeah. And then the other thing was the char- like when he was in character, he just he made me believe in him. I really liked him as a character itself, as the colonel, you know. And even though it was over the top and it was kind of corny, but he was just cool and he was likable. And so that whole scene was just like, oh no, I don't want to see him die. So that was rough. There, there I were a I, lot of moments like that, even with like Hit Girl, where she was, where you thought, "Oh, she might die or kick ass," you know. Yeah. And that that's like, again, it's a satirical movie, but like for them to play that off and make it succeed, that's right. that's great. I mean, the way they pulled it off was awesome. I agree. The stakes felt real. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And so, it, and right. so you're emotionally tied to it, you know. It, yeah. Unlike Iron Man three. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys did you guys notice the uh superior poster that they threw oh, in yeah, there? I saw that. Yeah, Mark Mark Millar's superior. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. I did see that. Very cool. Yeah, I like so, that. Throwing um, another Miller World property in there, you know. <laughs> I thought it was interesting, Jay, that you brought up like, you know, like what uh, this movie kind of talks about like what if what if people were doing this in real life, you know? Yeah. Um so I don't know if you guys heard about this, but um, this kind of goes along with what you were saying. There, I, there's a real a story about a real life vigilante in Johnston, Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. A 19-year-old man named Todd Capskos was arrested on July 15th after prowling his neighborhood dressed in a black ninja suit, carrying a bat, and lurking in bushes. <laughs> now he appeared in court on August 14th where he waived his rights to a preliminary hearing on charges of loitering, prowling at night and disorderly conduct. Um he told uh WJAC TV uh he said I dressed up in all black 
snuck around, went through bushes. I was practicing some ninja moves. <laughs> I can't. I was practicing some ninja moves, rolling into a ball, looking like a rock. <laughs> just, just hiding in the shadows. Oh, no. uh, apparently, his neighbor uh, Chris Trevino he says that it looked more like he was trying to break into homes. <laughs> yeah, not like he was going to be a ninja and save the world. Um, she, his neighbor, also reported that he was running like a ninja, not like a normal person jogging. He was going back and forth and creeping. Um, <laughs> after she called the police. Quote, the ninja ran across the alley and right into the arms of a police officer. Uh, John, <laughs> Johnstown has seen a spike in violent crimes, including three recent homicides. The most recent, a brutal stabbing death, occurred at a car wash. Um, he went on, uh, Capsos uh, went on TV and said, I mean, there's not enough police officers. The community should do something rather than sit back. So... There, there's your real life kick ass. This guy probably was trying to burglarize somebody's home and then, <laughs> yeah, fucking tried to say that he was out there trying to protect the community. So, <laughs> trying to be a rock and yeah, <laughs> I was practicing some ninja moves, roll, <laughs> rolling into a ball, looking like a rock. Yeah, that's a typical ninja move. Uh, right. Like rock. <laughs> Oh, Unless but. you're like Frodo with the cape, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think they're gonna be able to pull that off. Though. Unless you're playing like Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> I mean. mm. How cool was Ass Kicker though in the introduction of Ass Kicker? Oh yeah, that was great. I, I love how he's kind of like the reverse kick ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was like fucking everything up, and he didn't even know it. You know, right? <laughs> totally oblivious. Yeah, he, he's just cannon fodder. <laughs> what did you guys slink away at the end? What did you yeah, guys think of the, the the six stick? I was just getting ready to bring up the six stick. To me, that was the most over the top thing of the whole movie. Forget Absolutely. the violence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I mean, there was even an episode of uh, the League this year where, like, the character Taco said, "There's like a certain, uh, like a certain, like I don't know, like a decibel level." Yeah. That will like make you shit your pants. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it's really that. I don't know if there's any signs to it or not, but I've seen it in other, you know, forms of, you know, TV and things like that. So, well, in terms of so. violence, though, there was nothing in terms of like, if you look at like the movie 300, for instance, which the sequel to that previewed on my movie today. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, if anybody's complaining about violence in this movie, I mean, there are a ton of violent movies out there. I mean, if you want to go that route, I mean, if you Shit, look at it. just watch Cops every week. <laughs> right. No, there's, I mean, you're right. There's a lot of violent movies out there. Yeah, and, I mean, and, I, it didn't and, teach a bad moral lesson to me, you know. Right. I don't think it glamorizes the violence at all. Did you guys think it did? I mean, I don't know. No, I, I think didn't think did. so at all. You, it's not blood squirting all over in artistic, like, cinematic ways. It was just... It just served the movie, you know? Yeah, it's not like when, you know, like in Kill Bill, when like a big scene happens, like they start playing the music, it turns to black and white, and you see like blood spraying everywhere. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. You know? exactly. Um, like Jay was saying earlier, the, 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 one of the bigger underlying themes of the whole movie was just like being true to yourself and finding yourself and being, you know, not trying to fit in, but trying to 
to find out who you really are. Right. You know, whether that be it. you're a vigilante or whether that be well, yeah, whatever. But, you know, I mean, I, I think in terms of the whole mean girls and high school aspect, I think that could relate to a lot of people who go to high school and they feel like they have to do something to fit in. And I thought it was really cool that they showed Hit Girl, you know, give that one girl money and tell her, look, this Brooke's not worth it. Don't, right. Don't, don't fall into this game because it's right. bullshit, you know, so. So no, it's so true. It's one of the worst things about school. And I love that she was kind of, they, they put that into the story as like just a real kind of hero example, you know, of just, right. they, they try and like teach you the individuality's bad a lot of times in, in this society. And that's what I love about this movie is it, it kind of questions that, you know, yeah. uh, you know, do, do I hinder myself in my development as a person, which I have a finite time on this planet by not being myself and trying to fit in just to get somewhere? Or am I doing a greater justice by, you know, being myself? And so it's more its more than just, like, putting on masks and shit, I think. I mean, then I, I, I hate to say it had a deeper meaning, but I think it might have, to me at least, you know? Well, and I think with, with certainly with Hit Girl's character, instead of her just being this badass killer, by implanting that one little scene in there, it shows that she really does care about other people. It's not like all she wants to do is kill people. It's right. that, you know, she, she wanted to help out this other girl to, and tell her that it wasn't worth it. And I just thought that it was like revealing of her character that it's not, it's not her with this like desire to just go kill people and fight and all this stuff. It was really ultimately her, she wanted to fight the villains and keep them from hurting the people who are innocent. I think that's what they revealed with that. So yeah, she's a hero. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, at her core, she knows that she can be the hero, that she she can help these people. Yeah, absolutely. She she never gets off on the violence she causes. It's not that's not the thrill of it by any means. Right, Right. absolutely. And I think that's what they and that's why I like the writing in this because I think they did a really good job. I mean, you know, there was a ton of violence in this movie, but and she's torn she's torn between two fathers too. Right. Yeah. And this the, and this isn't the but that wasn't, you know, the violence was like the sidebar, really, if you th- in my opinion, I think there's a lot of underlying themes in this. So but people get detracted really easily when they see violence and they want to start screaming about it and people are just dumb sometimes. So Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. They see violence in the film and they think it oh every movie just has to like uh, glamorize the violence. So Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm glad we all like the movie. I think everybody out there that's listening to the program should definitely see it. You know, at least at least rent it when it comes out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's something like you have to see in the theaters. Um, I think it's. I think this is a kind of movie that uh, you know it doesn't have like those big budget effects that you have to see in front of the big screen. Right. Do you guys agree with that? I do agree. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's I, not, I, and I'm glad that it's not one of these movies like, oh, well, let's make it in 3D, you know? Right. Exactly. It's yeah. not, but, but it's still visually cool. Very, I mean, yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I enjoyed... The were amazing. Yeah, yeah, and I enjoyed seeing it on the big screen. I'm not trying to take away from that. Yeah. Um, right. But it's not one of those movies like I would think to myself, like, oh, I have to see this on the big screen. But uh, being a fan of the first film... Um, I'm glad I did see this one on the on the big screen. So um, I don't know. Uh, did anybody else want to add anything else? No, I mean, I yeah, I definitely want to. I'm going to see it again in the theaters just because I want to see it again after watching it. Wow. You know, okay. I, I I feel like there was a lot going on, and I just want to take it in for a second time because it was a really good story, and and like I said, visually cool. Um, 
the the fight sequences were awesome. It has comedy, it has drama, it has a little bit of romance. It's a coming of age story uh, for both characters, and so there's a lot going on. There's a lot to to really take in and like about it. So I want to see it again for sure. Yeah, I agree with Jay. I mean, one thing comic book movies do so much better than other movies is you know being multi genre like that. You yeah, know, the, yeah. the superhero movies and the comic book movies can just kind of do it all. You know, romance, humor, coming of age, drama. And you can just do it all in one movie. You know, it's not genre specific. I think that's why they're so popular. Yeah. I, I got a question for you guys, and I just thought of this. Um, I don't think they did a really good job tying up um, the at the end of the movie, like Night Bitch, her character. I mean, no. No, they didn't. she was in the hospital, and the next thing you know, she's in that final battle. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Did that make true. sense to you guys? No. Because she said she had given up. Yeah. They didn't even, she didn't even, uh, they didn't even have a scene where she was like, you know what? I, I'm done with this hospital. No, I, I can fight. Yeah. I can help you guys. It was just like, no, she was there. They didn't really tie up that loose end. Yeah, they didn't really tie up like the love interest aspect of it either. It seemed like at the end of the movie, it, maybe there was love interest between Hit Girl and Kick Ass, and they kind yeah. of just forgot about yeah, that. There was yeah. a whole triangle going on there, right? Definitely. And actually, now that you brought that up, Brian, the the one thing uh, the the after the credits, I mean, what did you guys think? Because uh, <laughs> that was, was kind of needless. Uh, yeah, I was, I was actually. Yeah, there is a post credit scene, so stay. I understand. But yes. I was I was kind of angered by it a little bit. I was. Uh, I wish they would have left it, as it were. I but. agree. Yeah, because I thought it ended. You know, I thought it ended fine, uh, and then to see that, just like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> so do you guys I, want to see a kick-ass story? Yeah, I do. I do. I kind of do. I, I kind of want to see. I want to see him. This is kind of like you know, the first one was just kind of toying around with it. The second one was like a very strong realization for him, and now the third one could be him in his prime, really. If they can, and, and, if they can make this a, a true trilogy and not ruin it, right? I'm all for it because these first two definitely are, are good movies in my opinion. So if they can wrap up this last one and have it, you know, be a good kick-ass movie, then uh, yeah, I'm all for making it a trilogy. Well, the only problem I have with that, though, is uh, with DeMarco, <laughs> I mean, they're going to have to bring him back now, right? So, Oh, like, D'Amico? Or, sorry, D'Amico, yeah. It, Are any like, of you guys reading the Kick-Ass 3 comic right now? I, ha- I have them, but I haven't started it yet. Yeah. I've kind of skimmed through them, so I have an idea of okay. what's happening, yeah. Okay, because I haven't been picking it up. I picked up the Hit Girl miniseries, and I still haven't read that either. So, well, I mean, there's only two solutions to the end of the series: is that he either dies or he gets out of the game. You know, basically right. the bat the Batman solution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's what part three is obviously should be leading into. If they're going to wrap it up, then so I think that's the reason. Like. The re- uh, going back to what we were saying, like you know our ratings and and things like that. The, the reason I gave it a taste it is like some of those questions, some of those loose ends that they didn't tie up in this movie is probably what I had a problem with. Like I feel like you know the night bitch character, like we didn't figure out what was, you know what happened to her at the end of the movie, and was there a love interest between her and Kickass? Because yeah, they had something, and then there was like chemistry even in the hospital when they figured out like when they saw each other for the first time. Yeah, there was something right. there, and then. Um, you know, but we never figured out like, you know, what was really going on with her at the end. They didn't really do a lot of explaining of like, you know, why she's out of the hospital and why she's fighting with, you know, with them now. 
Yeah. And uh, Kick-Ass just kind of hit it and quit it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's Wolverine. He's a dog. <laughs> no, but I, I like this movie. I'm not trying to bag it. I, I really liked it. I had, a, I had a fun time in the theater, and I'm glad I did see it today. I had a lot of fun seeing it today. So. I agree all with right. that. Me too. Well, all right. Um, I think this is going to wrap up the Kick-Ass review. Um, we'll be back next week. I'm not sure what we're going to do next week. It's kind of up in the air. Maybe some listeners out there will have some suggestions and let us know. But uh, we'll be back next week uh, with some sort of a show, I'm sure. So Some semblance of something. Some semblance of something. So, um, All right. We'll see you guys next week. Later, y'all. Later. Bye. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover counterculture pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Good it do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.